0: Two five nine ninety two thirty one. 9231 You can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features on our website we give away, so enjoy those on us. That again, freetalklive.com. It is Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. You can join us online again, freetalklive.com. To start things out here tonight, we will go to the porn world. According to the New York Post, first, they came for the porn stars. Mm. This is a pretty disturbing story. And it ties right into all of the other disturbing sort of anti-pornography stories that have come out of the federal government of recent date. Uh, we've reported on, for instance, them prosecuting the sort of hardcore end of porn, not um, not necessarily what they consider hardcore porn. Like the, you know, the definition of hardcore porn is when it shows penetration mm-hmm. versus softcore, like something you might see on a Cinemax or Showtime or something like that. I did not know that. That's not the kind of hardcore porn I'm talking about. I'm talking about, like, extreme porn. Stuff where we probably can't even really talk about the categories of things that they do. Violence, just awful bodily functions involved and things like that. Blah. The, uh, the feds have gone after these extreme porn purveyors, like uh, Max Hardcore, for instance, and they're trying to shut them down. And the rest of the porn industry has just sort of been sitting on their hands um not really scared well, they're scared um and they're not coming to the aid of their uh, the the fellow their fellows in the in the industry. I'm sure they don't consider them their fellows to some extent well they're their comp they' are they're competitors they're trying to distance,
1: distance themselves
0: well, they are their competitors, but unfortunately uh, maybe they just don't understand what is inevitable here. maybe they just don't understand that you know uh pastor martin e Muller's famous quote from World War 2 times of first they came for the Jews then they came for the communists then they came for the so and so and then they came for me and there was no one less uh, no one left to speak out so i was screwed that's a paraphrase of it yeah i don't but, think i was screwed was in it yeah uh, <laughs> but
2: that that's true though. <laughs> but they they
0: uh you know they they just don't understand what's happening here. And what's happening is the federal government is going after the easier targets first. They're going after the more extreme pornographers because they understand that there are very, very few fans of this sort of porn. It's a very, mm-hmm. very niche product, and they understand that they're very, it's very unlikely that the rest of the industry is going to come to their aid. And, you know, they'll just figure, well, maybe we'll just sacrifice these extreme porn purveyors and they'll leave the rest of us alone. That'll satisfy the angry government porn god. Here you go. From the New York Post, Ron Jeremy, Jenna Jameson, get ready to stand and be counted. The Department of Justice wants to come up with an official list of every porn star in America. Why? Well... That's up to you to figure out. But we'll go through the story, and then you can how? hypothesize. How in the world? The, the Internet is
1: full of porn. How in the world are they possibly going to get every one of these people's names? Well, they only when want some the ones of
2: them from America.
1: But even, how do we know whether they're from America or not?
2: Well, I don't know. Mark, the good thing you used a fake name when you used to do it. Yeah, that's right. Uh
0: They're apparently going to slap stiff penalties on producers... They're going
2: after gay porn, too?
0: They're going after everything. uh, ...who don't cooperate. (laughs) The new rules proposed under the Adam Walsh Child Safety and Protection Act would require blue movie makers to keep photos, stage names, professional names, maiden names, aliases, nicknames, and ages on file for the inspection of the department's child exploitation and obscenity section. Quote, "The, the identity of every performer is critical to determining and ensuring that no performer is a minor... According to the new proposal, I the adult see. film industry plans to challenge the new rule as a violation of the First Amendment. Now, they already have all kinds of uh, rules as far as they have to have on file for any, at least as I understand it, commercial porn production. They have to have age and identifying information on file that at least the I producers do a, a state issue um, in where they produce the most of them in California. No, that's a federal law. It's mm. a federal requirement. Uh, But that, as I understood it, was a requirement for the files of the producers. Now it sounds like... I don't know. I don't know how this is exactly changing that situation. They're challenging this on a uh, First Amendment violation, said a lawyer for Hustler. He sees it as a way to harass legitimate stag film producers. Quote, if they can't get you for obscenity, they'll get you for violating record-keeping, he says. Such a violation could carry a five-year penalty. The proposed rule would require porn producers to give the title of the video or magazine... Or the web address where the actor appears. The Department of Justice has shown some sensitivity for the performer's privacy, however. All information not essential Yay. to proving their age and identity like phone numbers and addresses can be withheld. Distributors of foreign pornography aren't off the hook. They must still produce a copy of the foreign actor's identification card. The department estimates that there are this five... Is, it, this is completely um, impossible
1: to uh, t- 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 to implement. Most of the porn I would imagine in um, America currently, if not soon, is being viewed on the internet. That's correct. And how in the world are they going to manage to find out who on the internet is doing what, where the companies? I mean, these companies well, can be companies within companies. They're going um, to they're LLCs going to... owned by corporations and offshore accounts of.
0: There's they're no going way. to contact the uh, the owner of the website and they're going to demand the information. How are they going to know who the owner of the website is? Well, that information is supposed to be available on the Whois information. If you go and you look up, uh, you can go to like whois.godaddy.com and type suppose, in any website
1: and get the owner's information. Suppose I have a website and suppose I am a foreign, uh, you know, I, I have a foreign number for my company that's in, I don't know, mm-hmm. Nigeria. Um, what are they going to do if I say? They can't do anything. I'm not going to do I'm not going to give you any
0: information. Nothing. They can't do anything. Go jump in a lake. They can only do Go jump in Mount J- Kilimanjaro. They can only do things to people that want to do business inside the United States. So they can uh prevent me from doing business in some way? Well, they can shut down your company. How? If you're inside the United States. But I'm not. That's what I'm saying. They so can only do payments? deal with you if you're inside the United States. So essentially this puts uh United States-based porn producers at a severe disadvantage to international porn porn. porn distributors.
2: That means that all the porn in a few years will have subtitles. What do you mean by that? Well, it'll all be porn. Because because it's foreign? Yeah. I don't think
0: they bother with subtitles (laughs) for foreign porn. uh, doing in English. That's where the market for it is. The Department of Justice estimates that there are 500,000 websites, 200 DVD producers, and 5,000 businesses nationwide that will be subject to the new rule. The department didn't respond to request for comment, but it, in its proposal, suggested that the benefits outweighed any negative impact on the porn industry. The agency argued, quote, the benefit of the rule is that children will be better protected from exploitation Says them. in the production of visual depictions of sexually explicit conduct by ensuring that only those who are at least is- 18, of a- 18 years of age perform in such depictions. The cost to the industry includes slightly higher record-keeping costs. I guess
1: they're now going to have a department of porn where they watch every single porn movie they can get their hands on, cross-check it with um, their little database and, and list, I assume they're going to have some way of figuring out whether these girls are wearing masks or uh, wigs or, um, you know, dyed their hair or um, yeah. got a boob job or, you Absurd. know, some, some way of identifying one way or the other um, whether these people are, you know, whether they have them on their list or not, and then what are they going to do if they find somebody who's not on the list? Uh, Report
0: them to the porn czar. <laughs> Easy. You know, I want to get in on this, uh, this bureaucracy. You know what, this is not um, really working in regards to um, this whole situation, in regards to the feds claiming that this was going to help keep kids safe. Where are all the stories of children being exploited for porn in America? Where are all the stories? I mean, okay, there was what the. The. the girl's gone wild guy. He got a couple 17-year-old girls to take their shirts off on camera. Accidentally put them on. Yeah, not so much. I wouldn't call that porn. I don't. That's it, just me. I wouldn't call that porn. That's nudity. It wasn't a depiction of sex. No, absolutely not. So, that's what I'm talking about is depictions of sex. Where are all the stories? I mean, if there was some porn producer out there, Vivid uh, Video or whoever the porn porn producers are. Why in the
1: world they would use 17 or 16-year-old girls is beyond
0: me when they can find 18-year-old girls that look 16 or 17. You aren't going to save that much money by hiring a 16-year-old versus an 18-year-old. Absolutely not. So, that doesn't make sense. Why they would put themselves at risk in that particular way, I don't know. Is there a chance that they could be taken by perhaps a, a 16-year-old with a fake ID? At
1: which sure. point? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure there is, but at which point, I mean, are we really doing, you know, shutting down that company? Have we done a, a service to America by shutting down a company that
0: managed to get duped by somebody who lied about their age? Maybe that's what they'll start doing now, Mark. Maybe they'll hire, sort of like they do under, uh, they do stings, underage stings for mm-hmm. buying alcohol. Maybe they'll do an underage sting with a girl with a fake ID. They could to try do that to with the current um, laws, though. They could. Anyway, I'm just pointing this out because it's ratcheting up. The requirements in order to produce pornography in America are getting more and more difficult. The rules more and more onerous. And if you care about the free marketplace, you should be concerned. Even if you don't, uh, consume these products. More on the way. It's Free Talk Live. Talk Live and it's your show. You can take control of the airwaves. The toll-free number for you, one eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. 259 9231 That's the sacl CAI toll free line. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne and Mark. You can join us online at Freetalklive.com. The features on the site totally free, including the updates. Get signed up and we'll keep you in the loop whenever there's something new to to announce about the show. You will know first if you're on the updates list. At updates.freetalklive.com. That's updates. Dot freetalklive.com. And SACL CAI has a full-orbed approach to account recovery. It's really three companies in one. They do collections, early out-billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL knows the way they do uh, they, the way they treat your customer reflects on you, so their staff is respectful, they record every call, and they have the best equipment money can buy, so your business is handled as efficiently as possible. See their banner at freetalklive.com or call 800-544-6359. That's 1-800-544-6359 for SACL CAI. Our number is 800-2 Five nine ninety 9231 we just uh, finished talking about a story from the New York Post announcing that there are new federal rules... Now, there already were some federal rulemaking. Uh, There were sort of uh, paperwork requirements that they had for porn producers. You had to keep certain information on file about your stars and, you know, how old they are and that sort of thing. The intention, of course, is to keep children safe. That's what they say. The real intention is to burden porn producers with more paperwork. Um, So, you know, hopefully they'll go away. I guess that's what the feds think. And now it's getting worse with the Adam Walsh Child Safety and Protection Act. Now they have to keep even more information on file uh, for the inspection of their child exploitation and obscenity section, which to me, this just it's just another signal that you can expect more crackdowns coming from the federal government on porn producers in this country. And I think it's I think it's sad. Uh, you know, I mean, whether or not you agree with pornography, if you care about freedom and liberty, you should be standing up for these people's freedom to do business in the way that they want to do business. And, and really, the
1: you know, you're not going to get rid of pornography. You're just going to have foreign-made por- uh, pornography. Right. And, and Which is more provided. likely
0: to involve young people. Foreign-made porn. Oh, yes. I would think so. I, we, we would have no way to uh, our, police it well, the ages of consent are different around the world. So, I mean, here in America, it's pretty typical that the age of consent for sex is between 16 and 18 in most states. Usually it's 18 to consent to porn. In fact, I think California may be the only state you can actually legally uh, videotape porn in. But I'm others, sure that doesn't stop it. other countries may not have those same uh, legal requirements. They may not have any sort of legal requirements in the in the world of porn. And of course, it's of course this is going to have. And if they no do effect. have them,
1: it's likely they can't um, enforce them anyway.
0: What's this? Go, what are these laws going to do for the huge, and I mean, huge amateur porn world? because you've got all the professional guys that have to follow these these reporting requirements the the businesses the companies the incorpor- uh, incorporated businesses they have to follow all these rules but what about the you know young couple in their early 20s that films themselves having sex and uploads their file to you know pornotube or whatever there are these websites out there that allow anybody with an internet connection to make their own pornography and hmm. show it to the world there's a tremendous amount. Can't imagine amount. why one would want to do such a thing, but they do. I'm sure. I, well, I don't know what it is, Mark, but there's some sort of obsession with porn in uh, the you know the uh, the Gen X and Gen Y culture. Basically, like people want to pretend like they're porn stars. Basically, right? That's why you see a lot of. Uh, You know, you see a lot of sort of body modification in the way that porn stars have uh, their bodies modified. You'll see, uh, you know, men and women both doing things that are uh, making themselves trying to look like porn stars in many relationships. They try to uh, act out things they see in porn. Remember, kids in America aren't taught about sex by their parents. Mm. That doesn't happen in America very much. So kids in America learn about sex From watching porn, which is probably the worst way possible to learn about sex. You're not going to learn about real sex that way. Right. But that's that's just the problem. Kids don't know what real sex is. All they know is this glamorized fantasy sex. And so they feel like, well, that's what they have to seek out. And so that's what they're looking for. And so hmm. I think that's that's just my impression. And if you've got a uh, you know if you've got your own opinion, eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That's the impression I get. And that would explain why there's such this this huge uh, glut of amateur porn out there. It's well, all these people they want to see themselves as a porn star as well. My
1: question on, and I see that what you're talking about amateurs. But what about um, my question is what about the decentralized business? The guy who flies under the radar, radar? not not the big ones like Vivid or um, Naughty America or whatever they are out mm-hmm. there what about the guy who decides you know what I'm gonna start a porn site uh, I believe there's one called bang bus I've heard about and you know it's 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 a low budget operation and most porn is Pretty low budget. Un-
0: understand. This is lower budget than um, anything. I think they, that particular company is much larger than you think it is. Okay, and well, they, whatever. They I don't know. They attempt to structure their site to make it look like it's something low budget.
1: Understood. What about somebody who actually does run a low budget porn um, operation? What if I decide for Without whatever reason. Without incorporating or anything like that. After I get my wife's uh, permission mm-hmm. to uh, start a porn uh, site. I can't imagine that happening, by the way. <laughs> that <laughs> yeah, like,
0: that's
1: not going to happen. Um, You're dead, man. <laughs> right. So I decide to start one up. What are they going to do? I, I, you know, you get, uh, you, you, you film this stuff wherever you feel like filming it. It's not like you need a whole bunch of charge different sets. Charged with federal crime. How are they going to find me? Well, that's the first part. How They'd do they know find where you. I
2: produced it? And they have to hire a whole bunch of uh, enforcement agents. I've
1: bought this. No, no I, this, this, um, porn wasn't filmed here in the United States. I bought this from Turkey. Prove I didn't. Hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, and again, there, and we mentioned that you could go and look up a Whois on pretty much any website, but I didn't mention that you can also uh, hide that information. You can make it private. I'm sure the feds have access to it. But you can make that information private. You can certainly not update the information, which I also think is – I think it may, might be a federal crime now to, to not, not update. have updated information on your, your website registry. So there's – I'm sure there's all kinds of ways to hide and, you know, ab- avoid the feds in this particular I, I, area. I, I can only
1: imagine inf- that you have a site that um, actually originates in the United States but is routed through
0: some foreign site. Um, the know. enforcement will be very, very difficult Uh, especially
2: on the smaller sites like you're talking about. So Mm -hmm. this is really a tool to go after the big porn purveyors and shut them down. It also develops a platform for other types of enforcement later on, like even political dissent. What do you mean? Well, once they get their hooks in the Internet and and, um, seeking out people who are behind certain porn websites, they're also developing a, a software platform, if you will, that allows them to also go after other people they don't like at the moment, like political dissent or That's a good or point. whatever
0: they could for instance say that well there's precedent set here we've gone after these porno sites for violating federal law so now we're going to require it that you age verify every visitor to your uh, to your bullet for instance free talk live bbs uh, all you have to do to go into the free talk live bbs is read the user agreement which does say you know that you agree to certain there's things and you, you got to be dirty words you're, spoken you're over 13 years old or whatever you click okay and we don't check you we don't re- require a credit card or anything like that. We, It's the honor system. Maybe they'll require things get a little more strict. Maybe they'll require that uh, you know who all your users are, that sort of thing, and have uh, real identifying information for every single user uh, uh, attached to every post that they
2: make. Yeah, and if just, you don't, then you're in violation. Yeah, I just don't think this is really about porn, per se. I think this is a way to get a foothold and to, to get their hooks in, uh, in internet sites and to uh, develop a... ...platform or whatever, a precedent for... Precedent for control. For control,
0: exactly. one eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one 259 9231 That's the SACL-CAI toll-free line. If, this, if you feel good about all these new rules and these requirements, why? If you, do think, you think we're
1: th- stopping porn.
0: Yeah, do you think that if the feds really crack down hard, they can put a stop to porn? Do you really believe that? What if there was a war on porn? Like we have a war on drugs and a war on terrorism and a war on immigration. What do you think the war on porn is going to get you? Don't give me any ideas. 800-259-9231. Let me tell you, if what you don't want is child pornography, don't have a war on porn. Because if you have a war on porn, then all of a sudden the black market opens up wide. More on the
2: way. It's Free Talk Live. George Phillies is the right candidate for president, a serious, well-educated candidate who stands for the basic principles of liberty and the basic principles of this nation. Paid for
3: by Phillies 2008. This is George Phillies, Libertarian for President. I approved of this message.
0: Your show, and you can bring us anything. The toll free number, 800 259 9231. That's the SACL CAI toll free line for you. And it's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. You can join us online, freetalklive.com. Live streams there. Broadband version of the show, dial up version as well. So enjoy those on us at freetalklive.com. As the dollar continues to
1: drop, precious metals rise. Make the trend your friend by subscribing to the International Speculator. Go to D2Z.org and add the bright precious metal mining stocks to your portfolio.
0: D2Z.org. Let's go to the phones, do the phone, talk to Dennis in New Hampshire. Dennis on the Amplifier Line. Hello.
4: Evening, gentlemen. Hey, hey Dennis. What's up? So I wanted to talk about pornography. Okay. So back in the uh, absolute heyday of the Internet bubble in the late 90s, I was working in... Uh, the Bay Area in San Francisco, okay. sort of tech, tech hub of the world. And uh, I, I was out to dinner with one night, actually I think it was a bar, anyways, I ran into this guy, we got to talking, turned out his job, he worked for Netscape, back when Netscape was an actual profitable business, or maybe they were never profitable, but they were, they were a business.
0: <laughs> People and, knew uh, them, yes.
4: Yeah, and his job, this guy's job, was to surf porn all day. And make sure that Netscape Navigator correctly rendered foreign websites.
2: Oh wow. really. So
0: yeah. that you didn't accidentally end up on one? No, no, no. Uh, correctly rendering means to show on the screen in the way it is intended. Okay.
4: Like right. Netscape would get bug reports from mostly from apparently people who owned foreign sites and it'd say, Oh, your browser doesn't work properly and he'd have to, you know, go to whatever dot com and Make sure that the the boobs are in the right place or whatever.
0: I guess it makes sense considering the tremendous amount of pornography that is consumed online. I mean, there's just a huge segment of the Internet market that goes to these sites. So it makes sense they get a lot of complaints from there.
4: Well, sure. it's It's a hackneyed thing that the technology is largely driven by demand and the demand largely comes from porn.
0: It's true. I was just looking at the, uh, the XBiz website, XBiz.com, sort of the uh, news hub central for the adult entertainment industry, because they usually have the, uh, the latest on these legal developments and that sort of thing. And uh, they're talking about how you know one of the polls on their website is, are you shooting in HD? So uh, one of the reasons why HD is taking off so fast, the HD video uh, technology, is because of the pornographers.
4: Yeah, so hey, speaking of uh, California and and technology and all that stuff, I want to give you a quick report from California Extreme, the classic arcade video convention of a few weeks ago. (laughs) All right. And the the report is, the blister on my finger from playing Robotron for 10 hours straight is finally starting to heal.
1: Did you have to put a quarter in every time you played?
4: No, you pay like a one-time fee, and then (laughs) you just go and play all the, the rest of the day. I see. Sweet. And it was awesome.
0: Very cool, man. I'm glad you had a good time. Anything else on your mind? That's it. Take it easy, Dennis. 800-259-9231. The Sakel CAI toll-free line. Now then, I mentioned that uh, it, it doesn't. It shouldn't matter how you personally feel about porn. If you care about freedom and liberty, then you need to stand up for, even for those who are doing things you may disagree with. And that's, why, and that's something that's just so important to get across. Because if you don't stand up and defend the freedoms of, in this case, the pornographers then you can't expect anybody else to stand up and defend your freedoms when the government finally decides to go after something that you might like to do in your spare time. You never know. Whatever it might be.
1: So, You know, the, the, the San Francisco is going after bottled water. Just go to you know. Just goes to show the government's after everything.
0: <laughs> I've got a San Francisco story, but I'm gonna hold it till not, uh, the uh, nine o'clock hour, the third hour, because uh, we've got our California station on then. Uh, in the meantime, let's talk Wayne about the laissez-faire economy. You've got a story about the
2: well, that whole concept and how it's a great idea, right? That's right. And what's really interesting and also really cool is the fact that a ma- so-called mainstream newspaper, the Pittsburgh Tribune Review, had a story this morning entitled "Laissez-Faire Is the Best Medicine" uh, by Donald Boudreau. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and he says, I'm writing these words only days after the Federal Reserve injected several million additional dollars into the economy. I thought it was a billion. Yeah, actually, yeah, billion. I, think, I think he got that part wrong. Uh, more well, there like are ha- several millions in the billions. Oh, so you know, they're in the billions, accurate. yeah. Right. Uh, the Hundreds of millions in each billion. <laughs> oh, yes. yes. Yeah, and they've injected a lot recently. The recent <laughs> steep decline in stock values, apparently sparked by the collapse of the subprime mortgage market, has a lot of people plenty worried. They worry not only that bears will populate Wall Street for an extended stay, but uh, for all this bearishness will drag the economy into deep and long recession. And a recession with lots of unemployment and sluggish or even negative growth and output spells hardship for many ordinary Americans. I, too, am a bit worried, he says. But my worry is not about the market's ability to handle the consequences of bubbling housing prices and bankrupt mortgage lenders. It is how the government will react to these events. The ever-present demand to do something is unfortunately immune to the wisdom counseling that there are some problems best left to sort themselves out. Government efforts to solve market adjustments and dislocations typically, and at best, supply only short-run relief while making the longer-run situation more dire. Right, that's because when the government steps in, if something's going
0: on in the marketplace, which of course everybody usually attributes to the marketplace failure, which usually it's a result of government uh, meddling in the first place, of course nobody, very few people realize that, then they beg for the government to step in and, like you say, do something, and when they do, and, you know, in this case, uh, pump a bunch of money into the economy, it may sort of gloss things over temporarily, but under the surface, the marketplace, it, it it reacts. It, it'll it react, and and there are really real consequences that can come from this. Investors uh, may get a sense of false security. That's right. And they may go out and uh, extend themselves beyond their means and and then find out that uh, they shouldn't have done that down yeah. the line.
2: And that's, that's just one of the things that can happen. It causes further malinvestment, and if you do something if which is fear, uh, financially irresponsible but in the back of your mind you know the government's going to bail everybody out, mm-hmm. you're more likely to do it you're more you know, likely to take risks. The proof in that is that um bankruptcies have gone up
1: every year since they instituted bankru- bankruptcy law. Well, more and more people are finding that there's a a net down there and they can jump on, you know, they they can go ahead and jump on it if they want to. Mm. And what happens when you jump and the the There's net no prep, net, you know, the net disappears. Well, I, I don't know that the, I don't, the net has changed um, now. Bankruptcy yeah. law has been altered, but uh, people were using it as a, as a final safety net, and it, it shouldn't
2: be. Yeah, I, I have a friend, a neighbor, a uh, former friend and neighbor from Florida who was a, a mortgage broker, and he was telling me how these people would come in once a year faithfully and refinance their homes, and they'd have about $30,000 of credit card debt that they would roll into their next mortgage, and they kept doing it every year. Wait, what does that mean? They would add thirty thousand dollars to their yes to the total of their mortgage. That's right. And for a while, their mortgage rates were going down every year, so mm-hmm. their payment was virtually the same. But they were in more debt, so that, but they didn't care. I see. and of course these adjustable rate most of them were adjustable rates. So they and now they're getting jacked on the back end. Right oh, now yes. they're going up. Yes, and there's a whole bunch of, of adjustable rate mortgages made in the last two years. They're going to be adjusting in the next six months to a year. That's a little uncomfortable. Yes, a lot of them. So uh, you
0: just had yours go up, right, Mark?
1: Yeah,
2: it did go up. I like twenty five percent. I don't know if it was Didn't that much. Did you say
0: it went from like a thousand to twelve fifty or something? I think like it was that? something
2: like that. That's twenty five percent. Okay. But my worry is there's so many people living hand to mouth right now that when they go up five hundred dollars a month, they may, they're not going to be able to keep up. Right. There's some people that, that can't handle it. You mm-hmm. know, they they, know, they weren't
1: expecting it, and
2: you know, what are you going to do? Yeah. Anyway, this this author goes and, on, and also they're living in their house. Mine's a rental property, so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at least you get, you're getting some income from it, but hopefully you're getting enough to uh, keep up with the payments. I've decided to sell. Yeah. Yeah. Now. So, I'm, so is everybody else in Florida? Yeah. <laughs> yeah me too. <laughs> I've got an offer. <laughs> oh, do you? Yes. Excellent. All right. Excellent. Moving on. Anyway, moving on. He says the most famous such intervention is Franklin Roosevelt's New Deal, since commonly regarded as. Saving America from the Great Depression, this spasm of interventionist government did no such thing. On the eve of entering World War II in 1941, America's economy was still quite depressed, as it had been for more than a decade. And as economic historian Robert Higgs shows in his 2000 book, Depression War and Cold War, New Deal policies and the prevailing climate of ideas from which they sprang suppressed investment. The New Deal and the genuine risk of outright socialization of industry in the 1930s kept the American economy in deep doldrums for a much longer time than it would have been uh, the case if Uncle Sam had just said uh, laissez-faire and had conspicuously ignored the very so-called smart people who so claim we're it told for socialism. We're told that socialism essentially saved America um, during the Great Depression,
1: but this guy's saying otherwise. It made it worse.
0: It extended the Depression. I've yes. heard that, but I mean, you know, it's 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 a difficult thing to prove or disprove. one 800 I don't believe it, but you can you take control of the airways. More on this uh, concept here in a moment. Uh, laissez-faire and why it just works better. You can take control and bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, and it's your show. You can bring up whatever you want. The toll-free number, 800-259-9231. Dean here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. The feature's on the site for free, so enjoy those on us. If you like the show, you want to help support Free Talk Live, then go shopping with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. When you enter Amazon through that link... Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase, 41 categories to shop in, great selection, pretty much whatever you might need for life. They sell it, and you'll probably get a really good price and a free super safer shipping if you're lucky. Head on over to amazon.freetalklive.com and get your shopping done. We're talking about the laissez-faire economy, something that I think we here on Free Talk Live would really like to get get to in this country. Yes.
1: I would. I I don't see any reason that the government should be involved in business.
0: The way you get to it. Or business
1: involved in government.
0: The way you get to uh, laissez faire is by eliminating the government's hand from business and allowing consumers to finally be in total control over the companies they do business with and the products they purchase. Uh, Let the consumer dollars be the votes. Let the consumer dollars uh, and their decision making process be the regulation. That's all that we need. That's all that we need. That We don't need the government around telling us what to do. Anyway, uh, Wayne, you're talking about um, how back in the, the days of the New Deal with FDR, who, of course, is much vaunted in government history books, is the man who saved America. He did it single-handedly. One of the greatest presidents of all time. Well, not From so the much. Depression. From the Great Depression. He's one of the worst presidents of all time, and he created all kinds of socialist wealth redistribution programs that had never existed before. That's right. Um, And you're talking about how if it weren't for all of his meddling and all of these uh, social redistribution programs, then the economy probably would have bounced back
2: quicker. Exactly. And one of the things that's not in this article, but I recall reading uh, a while back about this era was that. FDR also increased the top tax bracket to ninety percent. Yeah. So if you made over maybe been a hundred thousand dollars, I don't remember what it was at the time, maybe less than that, your tax rate effectively was ninety percent, which caused a lot of actors in Hollywood at the time to only do one picture a year because mm. what's the point of doing more? And
1: um, I can't remember what the name of um, his name was. I'm not um, the sports guy, but this uh, the black guy that uh, Jackie Robinson. Jackie Robinson, the beat uh, Hitler essentially in the. Olympics, you know, he he. Beat oh, all Jackie the, Robinson was a baseball. Yeah, guy. It was Jesse Owens. Jesse Owens. Jesse okay, Owens, those yeah. two, I get confused. Um, Jesse Owens, you know, he he basically retired broke because of this ninety percent tax bracket having something to do with his agents and that kind of really? thing. I don't know. But the the guy was broke. He was doing greeter stuff. Um, I can't remember. I, I saw a very sad thing on the ESPN.
0: Well, you had said before uh, before the break, Mark, that it was hard to prove, and I think Wayne's example is a really. Easy to understand example of why it is that the economy would slow down, of why it is that uh, the the marketplace would just take a take a, a breather, uh, because there's no incentive to do anything. If you're going to get taxed 90% on anything over X amount of dollars, and you're a, you know you're a big business magnate, you're somebody with a lot of investments, you're somebody with a lot of businesses, a lot of uh, things that you're you're dealing with, you're just going to just put it all aside and say, you know what, I'm all right. Yeah, I've got my money in the bank. I'm okay. No That's reason right. to continue on opening new, uh, opening
2: new businesses or serving employing, new customers. Yeah,
0: employing new people.
2: Sure. Why a, bother? a key part of the economy. And, and not only that, but no investor wants to put his assets at stake in a country whose government might tax away or out, outrightly confiscate right, at his 90%, assets.
1: 90%. It's nuts.
2: Yeah. Why in the world would I work for a dime on every dollar?
0: Why would I do it? Yeah, wasn't wasn't the gold bed com- in the morning? Wasn't the gold confiscation under FDR?
2: Yes, yes. it was. That was okay. in '33. And right. actually, a lot of this move towards socialism uh, came after 1913. You had absolutely. You had, you had World War One, and, and you know, World thanks to FDR. <laughs> well, actually, Woodrow Wilson ah. was the one who signed that into law.
0: Right, he was elected on
2: the promises of not getting us into the war, and then he did. Yeah, just like uh, FDR actually ran on the promise of keeping on the gold standard, and he actually ended up. Um, uh, reneging on his campaign promises as well.
1: Well, he was in there so long, nobody could remember the um, his campaign problems, <laughs>
2: uh, promises originally anyway. That's right. And just before FDR won his first term in the White House, Congress passed and, and Herbert Hoover signed the now infamous Smoot, Smoot-Hawley tariff. Mm-hmm. Uh, this tariff hike in ni- June of 1930 raised tariffs to heights not seen before or since. The idea was to stimulate employment in America by making it much more expensive for consumers in the U.S. to buy goods from abroad. Right. Well, it backfired. Uh, Most economists agree that the the Smoot-Hawley tariff deepened the Depression. It raised the cost to American factories of supplies bought from abroad, thus causing many factories to Mm. further reduce their outputs. It also prompted other governments to retaliate with their own substantial (laughs) tariff uh, hikes. If the government wants to help the economy, they can go ahead and
1: cut taxes, cut tariffs, cut um, everything that they have to do inside the economy. Mm -hmm. Get out of there. That will help the economy, I swear. Right That's because
0: right. in in the world of these tariffs uh companies in the United States factories making products in the United States have to get their base uh you know the base uh, raw materials the mater- thank you raw materials from somewhere and the fact is other countries can just provide these raw materials at a, at a lower price and why should they be prevented it's from it that? It's because it costs
1: less to send somebody out to cut a tree or dig a hole right. in another country and look for a diamond or, or gold or whatever in another
0: country than it does here. And there's yeah. nothing wrong with that. That's a good thing. We want to use products and services from outside of the U.S. so our products can be cheaper. So instead, they raised the cost of all of the domestically created products that were utilizing foreign-based raw materials and made them very uncompetitive and therefore therefore
2: put people out of jobs. And then those other countries retaliated, making our goods more expensive to to their country, which also caused a further contraction of business in the United States. Brilliant. And the extra dollars that consumers paid for the things they bought were dollars no longer able to be spent on other goods and services. So everything contracted. Everyone was impoverished as a result. And fortunately, Congress did begin to undo Smoot-Hawley just a few years later, because it it became pretty clear that uh, they made a mistake. uh, They made a big mistake.
0: You know, that seems to be a big difference between the Congress back then in the early part of the 20th century and Congress now. At least back then, with enough public pressure, they were able to admit that they've made mistakes. It doesn't seem to matter how bad things get now with the war on drugs, talk about one of the biggest mistakes in government's history nobody Nobody'll admit it to themselves they won't they can't eat any crow in congress mm hmm it's not like anything terrible comes from admitting a mistake. You guys are still going to get your're they certainly pensions. not doing it in Iraq either right I mean look, you know this is clearly a
1: disaster. It clearly costs more than we ever imagined it was going to cost yeah. and and uh, you know no there this president wants to go ha- wants to have his legacy. he's going to be proven right if it takes seventy
2: five years to do it uh it's, it's just crazy, isn't it? The hubris is insane uh it's not their money. who cares right? That's right. And then actually, the, you know, the the depression wasn't truly over until after World War II when a lot of people and businesses realized that we weren't going to go down the road of full-fledged socialism. That's when people started to gain confidence and started to invest back in our economy again. Hmm. So anyway, uh, the hysteria even over climate change, for example, nowadays is not good for investment either, especially if you want to invest in the fossil fuel sector, oil exploration, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. So that that's a good example of today, how, how they're... They're really um, uh, suppressing the economy Mm -hmm. by uh, scaring people out of investing in certain sectors that could be very profitable and very beneficial to society. Uh, Of course, also, we have the uh, um, distressing new rejection of free trade. The Democratic Party... Huffs and puffs about fair trade and balanced trade and other euphemisms for free, uh, trade restrictions. Right. Yeah. So Wait, whatever, that whatever
1: the terminology is.
0: Look, fair is what we say it
1: is. Right. Fair is what, whatever we decide it is. No, there's no such Get out of that. <laughs> they do not belong in deciding what one person in one country um, should be able to do, how they should be able to do business with another person in another country. None
0: of your business. Unfortunately, though, many businessmen, uh, I think, unwittingly slit their own throats here when they go to the government seeking protection. When they go yes. and say, well, this is not fair. These Chinese manufacturers can make things cheaper than I can. I need protection.
2: And you know, Also, if you can pay the, the price of admission to one of those trade junkets that uh, a few representatives of big corporations go with maybe a senator or a congressman or maybe the, on behalf of the president of the White House to these foreign countries to work out deals on behalf of your company. Really? Oh, they do those a lot, yeah. I was not aware of that.
1: And also, um, let's not forget that uh, our Navy keeps the essentially the shipping lanes clear in the world. It's, it's not uh, some other country that's keeping the uh, shipping lanes clear of pirates and that kind of thing. It's the United States. So our, um, our businesses are relying on that. There is no reason in the world that i should be paying taxes in order for exxon to safely bring a super tanker full of oil into this country or take it over to china or wherever it is that they're taking it there's right. no reason at all that i as a united states taxpayer and that's what i'm doing should be paying to keep, subsidy. right that's right exxon should be paying to secure its own ships now look i don't know how difficult and it's going to be and passing the cost on absolutely true but Exxon's going to do it significantly more cheaply. They're going to put it's a few true. a few guns on the front of their ship, and uh, they're well, going to have some security guys on there. And that's a hell of a lot cheaper than but, uh, you know a nuclear submarine.
0: Yes, but while it would be cheaper than you know if the government did it, as far as overall overall cost is concerned, it's cheaper for Exxon to allow at least in the sure, way they see it's it. it's a heck of a lot cheaper for Exxon to, to, to have allow me the pay government for to do it or to allow you to pay for it. So that's the problem we have. We've got the government and the corporations working together in this sort of fascistic way. And as a result of that, all of our freedoms suffer. 800-259-9231. Laissez-faire is the answer, but will we get there anytime soon? Will we get it in our lifetime? I sure hope so. This is Free Talk Live. Hour 2 is coming up. You can take control. It's Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into hour number two, and you can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number, 800-259-9231 the SACL-CAI toll-free line. Ian here with you. And Wade. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features on the site are for free, so enjoy those on us. Let's roll right into the phone calls and talk to Joe in New York. Joe, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello.
5: Hey, guys. How are you doing tonight?
0: Great. What's on your mind, Joe?
5: All right, I'm just following along, you guys talking about uh, FDR around that time and the Depression and the, the economy, and I and hear you talking, and it's definitely more to the point I wanted to kind of hit on, is the actual adoption of what caused all those problems, which was pretty much the Keynesian economic theory of um, pretty much macroeconomics, and he kind of brought this theory out with his book, and it was adopted by the administrations, and basically Hayek's, you know, Road to Serfdom and his whole economic theory is kind of tossed aside at that point. And uh, that book was, was it the general theory of employment, interest, and money. And um, if you want to, uh, for the libertarian minded that wants to hear an argument about that, Hazlitt wrote a book ripping it apart, uh, page by page, pretty much called The Failure of New Economics. You can get it on Mises' site. So I just want to
1: Hazlitt wrote a book um, ripping apart Keynesian
0: economics?
5: Yes, it's called okay. The Failure of New Economics.
0: Okay. And you're yep. saying that it was Keynesian economics that uh, that FDR adopted?
5: Absolutely. That yeah. was at the same time, around that time. Uh, the book was written, I think, in 23, around that time. It was published around in 23. And, um, yeah, you can read all about it on, you know, obviously, the, the is... Mises site with Hayek's story.
0: Now, isn't Keynesian economics uh, what most colleges in America teach today? Isn't that the case?
2: Absolutely. Yeah, the majority it's of it. It's all they'll... about... Yeah, once yeah. in a while they'll talk about Milton Friedman, who is sort of in between Austrian and Keynesian Right, the Chicago, Chicago School, yes. Yeah. Very good. Any other thoughts, Joe? Um,
5: no, that was it. And then basically, there's a good video that's available that I, I found out about it on uh, Lou Rockwell. Um, actually, it was on Mises' site also That's uh, LouRockwell.com uh,
0: command- and Mises.org for the uninitiated.
5: Sorry, Sorry about that. And um, <laughs> it's called Commanding Heights. It's a three-disc series, and it talks about all. Um, it's three parts. One of them, first one's called The Battle of Ideas. And that talks all about the history. Now, is this stuff, the, I
0: mean, the, these uh, recommendations you're making, is this stuff uh, consumable by the average Joe, or is this something that somebody who is more schooled in economics would would be able to absorb? Uh, I,
6: I, 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 I never,
5: ever knew anything about this stuff before, like, two years ago, okay? I'm 30 years old, and I never, ever knew anything about this stuff. All I did, it has to open my mind and, and start to read it, so um,
0: anybody can consume this stuff, you know? I was an That's average great.
5: DJ writing techno music before, you know?
0: <laughs> so what uh so what was that uh, video again
5: it's called commanding heights um it was put together by a couple of different groups pbs was one of them um it's definitely really good i would say for anybody down it's well produced um, it, it, it Talks over a lot of different people. Um, it's a really good video, and it great. really. and I know they've got it. a lot
0: of. I don't know if that cost. Sounds like you said three discs, so it probably costs some money. But I know they've got a lot of.
5: 24.99 on, on I, Amazon.
0: I know they've got a lot of uh, great free information and articles over at uh, the Mises website, which is Mises.org. org. And uh, do you they could also spend not, it the next year reading Mises.org. You probably could. Do they also yeah. not host uh, Economics in One Lesson? Isn't that? A, I mean, I've, that's Absolutely. been recommended to me, and I have not yet read it. And I, I'm it is a great
1: book.
5: I read it. I actually listened to the audio book read by Jeff Reckenbach, who does Murray Rothbard's books also in audio form, so you can listen to them that way as well. Um, I'd pick up a lot of good books that way. I think Joe has Um, actually
0: spent the last two years reading Mises.org. Joe, thanks for the call, man. We really (laughs) appreciate it. 800-259-9231. You know, it's not the most exciting and sexy of topics, economics, but But, damn, is it relevant. The people that get uh, turned on by it
1: are really turned on by it, and it's such important information. It's information you can use every day.
2: That's right. It isn't just math. There is some mathematics in it, but a lot of it has to do with... Human behavior, yeah, and sociology, theory, yeah. psychology, and that part of it I find very interesting. I, I did study economics quite a bit in, in college and graduate school.
1: You know, they they teach so little economics in high school and so much math. What do you need math for? I'm not, not I'm not trying to be thing. I'm not trying
0: to be a jerk unless I, you want to be an engineer or something. Right, right. Programmer. I think
1: everybody probably you know the smarter people certainly should know some algebra, some geometry, but. Trigonometry, analytic geometry, calculus. What, what is the average person going to do with this stuff?
2: What I'm, I'm certainly not doing anything with it. Well, there was, I learned there was, it. And I don't
1: even remember any of those formulas now.
2: Yeah, There was a desire way back to keep America strong, quote unquote, to turn out a lot of engineers. Well, they failed. Well, in recent, <laughs> Reason, years, they, they, in they, recent they, years they have, but in the old days they did. And, and those, those were prerequisites for going into college and studying engineering. So a lot more people did study engineering back then because you had industry here, you had a big demand for engineers in this country.
1: You know, if they would have taught me
2: about compound interest
1: and saved all the crap about sine, Mm. cosines, and tangents, I would have known a lot more.
2: You're right. Entrepreneurship is another thing. Uh, A lot of business schools... That's nowhere to be
0: found in government school.
2: No, but even if you go to college and you study business, you're studying economic theory, you're studying accounting, you're studying all these different things, and one of the most important things is how do you make money? Right. How, well, they identify
1: trends.
0: They're teaching you how to be a part of the system.
2: Right. They, they don't care if uh, right. You know, they don't want you to, to know entrepreneurship. and it's simple too, because all you're doing is finding an unmet need, then you're developing a business plan to create a win-win situation yeah, between what, you and your customers.
0: What you want to do is you want to ask yourself, what is it that can that you can do or provide? What service or product can you provide to the marketplace that people are going to want? And once you can answer that question for yourself, and that's half and of, do that's, it.
1: That's half of it there. Yeah, you're there. The other I half mean, is the paperwork
0: it. and keeping things in order and, and doing it at a, at a good price. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's continue with the phone calls and talk to Tom in Wisconsin. Tom, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello.
5: Hey there. I just recently wanted to talk about the New Deal and... Uh, fdr and i'm wondering why you guys are so against what fdr did he did so many great things for the country brought us out of the depression
2: well why yeah, that's, the government's, like that's the government's version of the story that's right the question you have to ask is why did the depression happen in the first place
5: well you can say that's the government's version of the story but my grandfather lived through that time and he told me all the great things that fdr did and i am i am liable to believe him
1: And you know what? Um, A a lot of people really do. This is the the, the hardest paradigm to break out of. You're born Methodist and Democrat, and you're never going to change.
3: I am Methodist and Democrat.
1: Uh, Well, you know, I just picked picked a couple. (laughs) But the likelihood of picking, um, you know, you changing your denomination is um, even... It's it's even – you're more likely to change your denomination in Christianity than you are likely to change your political party. Most people will grow up to be whatever it was that their parents or grandparents were. If right. your grandfather said that FDR was great, the likelihood um, statistically of you breaking out of that paradigm and even looking at um, other facts and, and exploring uh, you know, the possibility that FDR in fact was a socialist and right. extended the um, – the depression, is very unlikely. Well, so your my recommendation to you would be stick your head back in the sand like a rest oh, of America Oh, stop does. it, Mark.
5: Well, that's No, no, nice. no. That's very true. That's why I'm actually calling you guys because I want to explore all the different options and you know, I don't want to just accept everything that's fed to me from, you know, my grandfather, my parents, from right. high school history class, and everything like that. So basically, I just want Mark to
3: take off his shirt. <laughs> Thank you for the
0: call. <laughs> Certainly appreciate it. It's a great way to start exploring things. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. At least exploring the uh, hairy chest of one Mark Edge. It's not that hairy. Yeah. Why don't you pull off your shirt and we'll find out? I think if not. You <laughs> must be watching the webcam. Huh? <laughs> uh, you can You can go to cam.freetalklive.com and you can uh, get a look see here into the studio. Uh, but, but to but to address his issue about what Grandpa said, mm-hmm. and this is you know this is a serious issue. A lot of people, you know, Grandpa, he might have been a really good guy. He might have really known a lot about a lot of things. But the fact is, your grandpa could have been fooled just like people are being fooled by the government today. Uh, back then, the government had its apologists. Back then, the government had its cheerleaders. The back media. then, the government had its people in the media controlling opinion. In fact, back then, media was far more uh, you know, centralized than it is today. Today, we've got the Internet, where anybody who wants to can go and start a blog and compete. Uh, whereas back then, you had the newspapers, and in the 30s, what, Radio? Television didn't even exi- really exist at yeah. that point, so and, you know.
1: And uh, FDR was coming on the radio every once a week, giving his little fireside chats.
2: Right. So, so the news, and, and, and he had charisma too. Yeah. He did. So but you can't I'll, blame
0: people for falling for it. And you back, really
2: can't. Back then, you also had a lot of people who were members of unions, and the Democrats were very, very closely aligned with the unions. So anything the Democrats did, the union people were for. It was just by default. By right? default, yeah, exactly. So a lot of people would be behind their party, right or wrong, just like you see today with the Republicans, although it's starting to wane a little bit now. Right. And what that's something we're seeing a lot today is
0: uh, minds are easier to open now because of the fact that we have this information freedom that we didn't have before. We're able to do this show because of the Internet now. And we're reaching people who never would have been reached by the message of freedom 20 years ago or even 10 years ago, necessarily. And that's all adding up. And it's making a difference in people's lives. This stuff wasn't possible in the early part of the 20th century, and so it's no surprise that many older people still have their minds shut like a trap because they learned what they learned, and they're going to stick with it all the way till they die. More on the way. You can take control. This is Free Talk Live. Toll free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL-CAI toll-free line. Ian here with you. And Wade. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. The features on our website, we give away. So enjoy those on us. That again, freetalklive.com.
1: Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Free State Project. Your only choice for more personal freedom, smaller, less intrusive government. To learn more about joining the Second American Revolution, go to freestateproject.org. That's freestateproject.org.
7: 800-259-9231.
0: 800-259-9231. Let's go to the phones and talk to Kurt in Michigan on the Amplifier line. Hello, Kurt.
7: Good evening, gentlemen. How are you?
0: Great.
2: What's up? Hey, Kurt.
7: Well, I'd like to talk about uh, gold. I called uh, a little while ago, a couple of nights ago, and I was kind of flustered. I didn't – I just had a whole bunch of ideas. I've kind of gotten them together now. Okay. Um, uh, so I called to, to talk about gold as a hedge against inflation. Uh as a little recap here, you got a, uh, an advertiser, the International Speculator slash D2Z mm-hmm. that suggests in their ads investment in precious precious metal mining stocks as a protection against collapse if the dollar falls to a zero worth as a result of the government's insane fiscal policies. Okay. My question then, now more neatly organized, was. If you own stock in a company wherein the root value of that stock is denominated in U.S. dollars and the dollar falls to zero, would it matter then how much your stock is worth if the root unit is rendered worthless?
0: I think uh, you must have missed Troy's call the other night. Well, was no, it? I,
7: I did. Troy Troy from D2Z.org, very nice, responded. And he, he replied that stocks uh, that international speculator subscribers own are denominated in Canadian currency. Right and that they could be liquidated prior to a hyperinflation. And you also mentioned that, that it should just be part of a well-balanced portfolio. Yes. Well, I've got two points and, and then two questions. My, my first point is the economies of Canada and the U.S. are inexorably linked. They Many of these countries' largest corporations are one and the same. So let's face it. The U.S. sniffles, Canada sneezes. The U.S. sneezes, Canada catches cold, the U.S. catches cold. Canada pneumonia, and if we catch pneumonia, well, I'd hate to think of what would happen to the best friend that an arrogant superpower could have. I,
1: I, I would mean, totally agree with you. Now, let me um, let me hop in real quick. First well, off, you are talking to some amateur economists here, not professional mm-hmm. ones. So um, anything we say is you know, just guys right. talking on the radio. Well, um, the, the The evidence is when you're talking about hyperinflation, uh, the best example to use is the, uh, the, the German mark uh, prior to Hitler uh, gaining power. You know, every day the do- their their mark went down, down, down. It didn't actually go to zero immediately. Pow! It it was hyperinflated. You know, more and more uh, marks were introduced into the marketplace, and therefore making them worth less and less. So, right. the stock market would attempt to keep up with um, the valuation of your stock. By increasing, it, it's much easier for the stock market to increase uh, the numbers, um, you know, as to the value of a stock, as than it is uh, for the government to in, to throw bills into the marketplace. They have to print those. That's real world activity as opposed to just well, computers. Well,
7: well can again, they can also
0: increment they, numbers. They do it
7: with, uh, they do it with, uh, you know, with uh, the Federal Reserve and the fractional reserve lending. That's how they get new money in.
0: Right. They increment numbers in a computer somewhere, Mark. They don't necessarily have to turn on the printing. They don't necessarily have to, but they do sometimes. I'm
7: I'm kind of an amateur myself. I don't even have one college credit to me. Mm -hmm. But I believe that right now we're in a period of just prior to that hyperinflation. Now, the U.S. government has decreased tax receipts and at the same time has not only proceeded on a very expensive nation-building exercise, if you want to call nation-destruction nation-building. Mm-hmm. But it also made a prescription benefit obligation to the nation's seniors, the value of which has yet to be overtaken by four solid years of that war, plus all the graft and fevery therein. Add to that all the back-end costs, such as veterans' benefits, injury compensations, hospitalizations, as well as graft on those monies. I mean, we, we know that the monetary presses have just been turned on to print money for the insanity that guarantees the future hyperinflation.
2: Oh, I agree with you. And now, uh, oh, now Here's ahead. my
7: question, though. Here's my question. If the dollar drops to zero, how does having a well-balanced portfolio or having stocks of precious metal mining, both of which are denominated in fiat currencies that are intrinsically linked and will probably go down together, or having the options of liquidating those stocks for the fiat currency itself, protect me from uh, uh, the impending collapse.
1: I guess if you own a piece of a business, um, that you own pieces of its assets, and assets of a a precious metal mining uh, company are precious metals. That's right.
7: But during a collapse, I'm sure they're not going to pass that out. I'm sure whoever's at the top is going to just walk away with it. Well, you know... (laughs) Realistically.
1: Well, you you gave Mm -hmm. the scenario of... If the dollar dropped to zero um and right. all in one day, and I can you know in in that particular instance there's you have a lot bigger problems than trying to uh, recoup your assets from an investment,
2: yeah you still own mm-hmm. shares a num so called well number of shares in a company which may end up being traded out for a new currency down the road, but Canada actually is in much better shape than we are because they don't have the debt they 've got massive natural resources in that country, and their their currency is more stable even though it's it's it doesn't buy as much right now as the US mm-hmm. dollar in the dollar's present phase. That's
7: because uh, they're not interventionist.
2: Yes, exactly. They're not intervening as much. Well
7: less they're lesser interventionists.
2: Yes, but you know, mining stocks are still the speculative part of your, your portfolio, and some of them have the potential down the road to be massively profitable, even more so than well, the tech stocks. But, but that's, again, that's the they're speculative part.
7: They're denominated in what could be useless. U.S. dollars.
2: Well, you know, that's so, a risk you have to take, then, so,
7: right? My, I mean, it's, it's I, speculation,
1: I, right? I'd load up I'm, on AK-47 rounds, then.
7: You I've got one more question that kind of includes that. Okay. Isn't it better for me to just purchase commodities easily tradable in the event of catastrophic monetary collapse? If, if that's what you're preparing becomes, for, yeah. yeah but you also paper, have to understand
0: that this, you know, this monetary collapse may not come for another hundred years. I mean, who knows how the, long they can keep this stuff true, up
2: for. If you
7: know. the paper becomes worthless, I'll need something to trade. Precious metals seem to be a good choice. But if the sales of bullion are recorded for future governmental reclamation that could leave me with nothing, I would think that at this point the only precious metal would be lead, like the kind (laughs) on the tips of ammunition. Not necessarily to fire, although I would for my own protection, but almost as a monetary uh, staple as well.
1: I'm sure that you can get a hold of uh, D2Z or the International Speculator. Yeah, and excellent. ask their question um these questions to them because um you know we've given our best answer, answers as radio talk right. show hosts and if you have radio talk show questions we will be darn good at those uh, specifically have, I, but I, I
7: know you guys have the smartest audience out there they, I mean, that I've they listened to you guys for over a year I was hoping to throw it out there and maybe have someone chime in I'm glad that Troy called back you know with with uh, with some type of of uh, of response but I, any anything I can get you okay. know
8: it,
0: Thank Kurt, you guys. thanks That's for the a, call, man. We uh, appreciate hearing from you, dude. Yep. 800-259-9231. In fact, uh, the guy from the International Speculator is going to be on this show uh, one week from today. Okay. So
2: great time to get your questions in at that point. I've heard a lot of great things about his newsletter. As well.
0: As if I. And, again, you know, we're not economic experts. And at the same time, it seems like Kurt's questions are centered around the idea of catastrophic monetary collapse. And I right. like what you said, Mark. You've got a lot more to worry about at that point, including how you're going to get food to your, you know, right. your mouth. I would
1: think in that particular instance um, that if you're talking about, you know, Armageddon hitting in, you know, yeah. the real uh, battlefield earth situ- situation, that even – Emid gold in your hand, numismatics, uh, collectors' coins, uh, silver that you can get like from Midas Resources. Mm-hmm. The, even having that, it might not be the most valuable trading um, commodity because a can of green beans might be, um, you know, is might be the thing that the person's looking for. Or toilet paper.
0: Who knows? Uh, And that's just something you have to deal with. If that's something you're preparing for, and most people aren't. No, I'm certainly not. I'm not. You're not. um, You know, most people aren't. And so if that's something you're preparing for, then you really need to think about what you want to have, you know, burrowed away in your basement for that scary, scary possible future. 5,000 rounds. In the meantime, you probably should have a well-balanced portfolio in order to keep yourself afloat in the real world. This is Free Talk Live. Show. You can bring up whatever you want toll-free at eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That's the SACL-CAI toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Wade. And Mark. one eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Join us online. FreeTalkLive.com, the place to go. The bulletin board system is there. Over a quarter of a million posts. There's a lot of stuff to read. There's serious issues and fun stuff. You'll find it all for free at com. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. Now, last night in the third hour of the show... We really dug into this whole concept, this rumored uh, North American Union, the NAFTA superhighway, this supposed four football fields wide road that's going to run from Mexico all the way up to Canada. And, you know, it's going to be the. uh The harbinger of things to come as far as uh, the North American Union, this concept of the uh, three countries of Canada, Mexico, and uh, the United States getting together and joining up and creating basically something similar to the EU, except... The North American Union. And there's been a lot of uh, concern about this uh, out there in, in radio land in and in just with regular Americans hearing rumors, which may not necessarily be backed up by facts. So last night we tried to sort of cover both sides of the issue. We tried to look at uh, some of the things that one group is saying the Nation magazine did a five-page long exposé on the conspiracy theories on the, the you know the little tidbits of fact that the conspiracy crowd has taken and sort of weaved together in order to get this North American Union concept. Of course at the same time some of these tidbits of fact are pretty ominous. Yeah. You know, they're they're kind of you well know, they they do seem to point in that direction, especially the Security and Prosperities Partnership, this spp.gov, uh this They're right out in the open. The the U.S. government, right out in the open, saying that they're meeting up and discussing these economic things with uh, Canada and Mexico. Micromanagement stuff. Like, you know, Canada has different size... Of food bottles, baby bottles, like uh, the you know the, the Gerber baby food. It comes in different size in Canada than it does in the United States, and the bureaucrats are meeting to try to iron those differences out well, to and harmonize
2: so, to harmonize the laws.
0: Right, so you know they try to make it sound like, oh well, this is no big deal. We're just dealing with bottles of baby food. But at the same time, to me, that is a big deal because, well. We're doing fine with our bottles of baby food here in the United States. The marketplace has done a fine job on its own of uh, handling that. Why do we need the government stepping in and creating some sort of uniform code between all of these countries? So, again, there's sort of there's some differing sides here. And, Mark, you say you've got an email that just debunks the whole National American Union well, thing, or North American I, I'm Union.
1: I'm not entirely certain, uh, certain he debunks the whole thing, but he does take it from a, a point of view that we didn't bring up uh, last night, which I think is, is very interesting. Jump on in. Um, from Stephen, he says, I don't know why so many of your callers bring up the North American Union. It's completely absurd. Right now the Republicans and Democrats are tripping over themselves, talking about how they're going to keep the U.S. and Mexico nice and separate. Some of them even want to build a wall to do so. This is in response to the mass of xenophobes here in America who don't want anything to do with the brown people. How strong is the xenophobia? It's so strong that it is the one issue, the one and only issue where Republicans in Congress refuse to go along with Bush. It is the only, it is the one issue where they seriously feared for their reelection if they went with the president. But this is the very same government um, is at the same time plotting to merge with Mexico. You can't have a wall and a superhighway occupying the same space at the same time. That's against the laws of physics. Xenophobia is a natural check against one world government. The EU is not like the United States. The central um, government is very weak, and recent attempts to strengthen it, such as the proposed constitution of a few years back, were rejected. European states have hated each other for thousands of years and are all fiercely proud of their unique nationalities. And within each EU state are politicians who pander to this. They stand in opposition to the pro-EU parties who want to surrender more um, sovereignty. But,
0: But they've got it anyway. Got I what? mean, if what he's saying is true, and that these European states hate each other, the people in those states hate each other. They've still got the EU anyway. Doesn't that de- debunk what his argument has said so far? That well, because so many Americans hate uh, Mexicans or hate immigrants, that that'll stop the North American Union. It apparently didn't stop the EU.
2: Yeah, um, you know, I don't think it's, I don't think they hate each other. I just think there's some friendly competition between them. Oh, where, the French and the take, uh, yeah. the French
1: and English really don't like well, each other. They take much.
2: pride in their cultures and they take pride in, in what it's like to live in their countries. But if they hate each other that badly, I think think they'd be probably at war uh in, in the in the more recent uh past
1: well um also europe was now f- for instance uh california's economy is bigger than that of france and france i believe is the seventh in the world do you understand what i'm saying mm-hmm. california is like the sixth economy in the world yeah um the united states doesn't need power and trade europe does need power and trade they were motivated to you know, get together to some extent. The United States is not motivated to get together with anyone else. So okay. Europe had that uh, particular
2: But uh, a lot of people impetus. see a lot of parallels between this uh, North American Union or SPP and what they did originally with the, with the European Union, where they ended up with a common currency, because mm-hmm. in the beginning it was just about trade and, and facilitating trade and greasing the wheels to trade between the countries. And now it's become this uh, massive... Uh, Uh, trading block, and and basically because they all have the same currency, will eventually uh, um, become one country. I think, or, or to
1: or some extent, territory. You're, probably, you're, you're probably right. Um, and remember, that's what happened in the United States, too, I mean, to some extent.
0: And that Seriously. may be all they'll do here. They may just simply introduce this new Amero currency as this, spi- Ooh, look, it's pretty, it's got colors, Americans, Ooh, look. Yeah. And, you know, they may introduce this in order to sort of distract from the falling dollar, and that might just be the major um, factor to this North American Union. It may not be anything more obvious than that, necessarily.
2: It also can be smoke and mirrors, in a sense, too, but it... If you're one of them, if you're one of the elite, you've got to think the way they do, is that you have this, this Social Security Medicare train wreck coming in, in the next 10 to 20 years in America because of the demographics of Americans. You're going to have a majority of Americans over 60 years old in 20 or 30 years from now. So in Mexico, they have a younger demographic, as do they, I believe, in Canada. Now, Canada also has a lot of natural resources, and so does Mexico. So by combining the three into one, you can also put off the inevitable economic collapse uh, Farther in the future, for one, more of the emailers Um Stephen goes on: the idea that the government that government
1: consolidation is somehow inevitable is completely wrong. Um, some level of consolidation is to be expected. We aren't city states anymore, but that consolidation eventually hits the brick wall of nationalism, tribalism, and xenophobia, and is all brought to a stop.
0: Um, I see, let's see. I think he's on to something. <clears throat> I, I mean, I hope he's right, but. And again, one so of the things that oh, okay. i was going
2: to say, a lot of people in America love me- uh, people from Mexico. It's not about that. It, it's about retaining our, our identities. And also, what government are you going to have if you combine the three countries? It's a good way to just default on all the U.S. debt and reboot the whole North American continent into in this new operating system, so to speak. I don't think most of our politicians really care about our debt. Oh, I think they do. I think they're starting to, to see it now. They, they care about it
1: not blowing up while they're in office. I think that that's probably true, but I don't think that even, they even think that it can. I mean, Keynesian well, now, economic theory basically says that they can continue to spend now and pay
0: later and everything will be fine. Well, how would this benefit the bankers? I mean, how would, uh, you know, let's follow the money on this idea of the North American Union, right? Okay. I mean, you've got the Federal Reserve that the people that are behind that organization are really the ones that are profiting from, and then them and their friends, they're really the ones that are profiting from these, the increases in the money supply because they get to hand out the money before it loses value. You to mm-hmm. whoever it is they want to. And so wouldn't it be more valuable to them to be able to hand out money to people in Canada and Mexico as well?
2: That's right. And you can get all these millions of Mexicans on credit cards and mortgages who, who right now have no money. Think about this. The poorest people in the world have no money, uh, at least in America. We, we really have no assets, but we have stuff that we owe money on. So you could expand into Mexico and, and if you're a bank and make a lot of money because you can get all these Mexican people working in factories and, and, and get them on credit cards and you can expand this whole debt uh, bubble even further into a new direction.
0: I'm no central banker but it would seem to me that uh, this whole North American Union concept would benefit those guys.
2: Yes, I think so.
0: I don't know. I you know, I, I'm, I can't
1: really imagine there are right now if if I was Canada I certainly wouldn't want the amero um with the, with the American with uh, based on the American dollar um the the trading value of the American dollar because well, my dollar's worth almost as much as the American dollar when a couple of years ago, was a um, you know my dollar was worth uh, or their an uh, American dollar was a uh, dollar seventy five in Canadian dollars. So the Canadian dollar's doing really well right now. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I'd want to trade uh,
0: Canadian dollars for. Uh, w- well, I don't think it will American be than. your decision as a regular Canadian. It wouldn't really need... matter what you want. What matters is what the central bankers decide to do. Why would the, the, the Canadian
1: government. central central bankers want to lose out on their? Uh, there must be some currency. sort of
0: there must be some way for them all to work together. Stephen goes on here. All right, 800-259-9231, you can take control of the airwaves, bring up what you want, this is Free Talk Live. And this is Free Talk Live, it's your show, you can bring up whatever you want, toll free at 800-259-9231, that's the SACL CAI toll free line, it's Ian here with you. And Wade. And Mark. That toll free number is 1-800-259-9231, hopefully uh, we're wrapping up an email here shortly, on this whole North American Union concept, and uh, one of our listeners is saying, No way! Not even possible! Impossible! And I don't know. I mean, uh, there's some conflicting opinions and conflicting evidence out there, and I don't know. I think it might be possible. I don't know
1: if he's right or not, but I think he he brings interesting stuff to the table, and that's just all I want for my emailers and
2: callers, you know?
1: (laughs) Absolutely. It Um,
2: it shows that he's employing his critical thinking skills, which is good.
1: Yep. One, one of the things that nearly caused my head to ex- Steven continues. I say, one of the things that nearly caused my head to explode as a libertarian was the realization that the centralization of the United States is a good thing and a bad thing at the same time. Uh, how's it a good thing? We know why it's bad, because concentrated power at the federal level, level decreases competition between the states, and we want competition And we want competition between the states. Mm-hmm. If states had to compete on the basis of laws, taxes, etc., to attract people and businesses, presumably something like libertarianism would emerge as the dominant model. It's the cheapest thing, anyway. But, on the other hand, we benefit greatly um, by the fact that the states are powerless to do certain things, two in particular, they don't have their own money, meaning they can't Press their own money, mm-hmm. and they can't. Uh, pass I don't agree tariffs. with that.
0: I don't agree that that's a benefit at all. And that again would be yet another area that the states could compete with one another.
1: How um, do you? Do you abs- Hold on, just a second. Do you think that with a um, hundred, almost two hundred nations in the world right now, mm-hmm. all of them that have their own currencies, those currencies are fiat? nothing-backed currencies, that somehow one of our states would come up with metal-backed currency?
0: or um, the, There was a plan re- on the on the table in New Hampshire not too long ago, as I understand it. Right, by one fact. guy that didn't go anywhere. I don't know if it was one guy. I don't know what the, uh, the amount of support was that had it, but it was on the table, and uh, people were talking I'm about sh- it, and there's no reason why with the uh, advent of the Free State Project that that couldn't become a reality.
1: There's no reason why with the advent of the Free State Project that it couldn't come, become a reality anyway. We can trade in gold and silver. Anytime we we darned well feel like if it. we not do not need the tender, stamp, though. we don't need the stamp of um, New Hampshire to do it. Right, it you is can't worth. pay your
2: taxes with it though,
1: and some merchants won't accept it. And, uh, but you and can pay, um, you can pay into warehouse companies that will exchange your silver and gold into uh, f- uh, Federal Reserve notes. You can use, you can use gold and silver to get by. E gold is essentially a company that mm-hmm. allows you to do so. Right, true.
0: Oh, I understand that. You but, can use gold and silver. Well, I'm, just I'm just saying, saying, that, don't fall saying into the, that we don't, have a central bank is a good thing is absurd. I'm not saying that we
1: um that. That's I'm saying, saying no, he's not. He's not saying that Um, he's saying that, you know, 50 states having their own currency is not going to be is going to be difficult to get along with. I mean, living right on the border with Canada, you know what it's like when you get Canadian quarters and then your bank won't take them and all kinds of other stuff. Imagine if um, there was all these other currencies. You had to carry several different kinds of currencies around in your pocket to be able to do business in one state and the other state. I think that having one type of currency um, is, there are some advantages. I don't see that any of the states would necessarily make a good currency that's backed by real stuff just simply because they're competing against other
2: states. If you look at it in the currency paradigm, yes, but if you look at it, in the paradigm of a warehouse certificate for so much metal, then it doesn't matter where it comes from. It's still an ounce of metal is an ounce of metal.
1: Right. He's not talking about that. He's talking about um, th- there's a good thing that uh, that that the government is centralized. He's talking about a couple of good things about the government being yeah, centralized so over good. states. Yeah. Um, the I other thing is is that, that they either. can't pass tariffs on each other. Um, states were doing this at the time of the uh, so. Okay, I'm just saying you, you, if you think that para- tariffs are a bad thing on the national level, states mm-hmm. are likely to try to
2: do it too, and, the and they did. And right. the, the, the ones past. that do it are, are going to not do as well. They'll suffer economically,
0: like we were talking about earlier in the show. When they add tariffs, uh, other states add more tariffs, and the economies die off. The smart states will have very, very little regulation, and their economies will boom.
1: The evidence is uh, um, to the contrary. In in some ways, the United States, the econ- economics is kind of slow. Um, California is one of the most socialist places. Around it's got the biggest regulations um, of any state in, exi- in, in America. And do you know how many businesses have moved out of California? Right, but, but the economics, but economics are slow. So, um, and what's your point? Why isn't well, Why isn't West Virginia booming? I'm sure they don't have the re- um, regulation that California does. They also
0: don't have the population that California does.
1: W- where did the population that's moving out of California go? They go All to Colorado. The place, they
2: go to Washington State. They go to Oregon. They go to Idaho. New Hampshire. New Hampshire. Sure, but I'm just saying that. Um Socialism
1: is like a leech that comes after money. Mm-hmm. Unless you are principled, um, unless your state's principled, I don't know. I don't know whether states are going to run to libertarianism simply because competition um, is in play. I don't know either.
0: Let us find out. Let's see what happens by doing what by getting rid of the
1: federal government. I, I, I'm not saying that getting getting rid of the federal government's a good or bad thing. I do think that tariffs between states would be a bad thing.
0: I agree with you. They'd be a bad thing, mm-hmm. and let the states decide.
1: But, uh, the the evidence is the preponderance of evidence is that. They they will decide to get tariffs. Fine. Okay. Let them. They'll suffer economically. And at least lose then their we don't base. have the
0: federal tariffs to deal with. Thank goodness. Would you
1: agree with him that it's an advantage that we don't have those?
0: I think not having tariffs is a great thing, but we have plenty of tariffs at the federal level. Great. Then you agree with him.
1: No, I don't. But yeah. Go ahead. This is essentially a giant free trade zone within the 50 states. And it's awesome. There's no doubt in my mind that much of our economic success is attributable to the fact that the 50 states are an economic union. So, when they talk about creating an economic union, emerging merging currency um, with even more places, that isn't necessarily bad. I think having free trade in a single currency with Canada could be a
0: good thing. With Mexico. That'll be a way they can sell I it. I don't. That'll be the way they can sell it. They can say, hey, now you don't have to exchange your currencies when you go to Canada. What a great idea.
2: But who benefits from that? You see, you, you're further centralizing the monetary power uh, over a greater distance and a greater number of people, which makes it easy to skim more wealth off the top. I, I, I don't yeah. think he's advocating it. Right. The central just,
0: bankers benefit.
2: Right. I, that, I don't think he's advocating it. i what in the EU now, too. I've, I've said this on the show before, that I I've, I've have friends and relatives who have traveled to Europe in recent years, and a lot of the people in Italy and in France are very upset be- with the euro because they got screwed on the deal.
0: Mm. Unfortunate. Any other thoughts from Stephen? Nope, that's it. All right, 800 259 9231. Let's roll on the phone calls. Talk to Jeremy in Iowa. Jeremy, listening to uh, some secret radio station in Iowa. Hello there. Hi. I'm basically. Okay, I couldn't quite understand what he was saying there. I'm sure it wasn't really thoughtful. Well, all right. Let's go uh, instead to Justin in Maryland. Justin, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Justin, going once. Hey, how you doing? What's um, on your mind?
6: You know, it's funny. I see this country becoming a police state all around me. Yes, sir. But yet, when I try to talk to people in my family or people on the street, they have this look in their eye like they just do not want to face it.
1: Like if you say the terminology "police state" to them, that you're just you're a wild-eyed crazy man, and I don't want to talk to you.
2: Yeah.
6: Yeah, it's kind of like you know. I tell them that we're. I tell them the things that are happening around us. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That we're losing our freedoms with the Patriot Act and everything. And everyone knows this is going on. People are aware. But it's kind of like during this kind of state denial where they just don't want to face it. They sometimes,
2: absolutely are. Yeah, and sometimes it sinks in over a period of time. Sometimes You can't expect them to react the way you want right there when you say it. But if you plant seeds, if you drip on people and find ways to say it or get through to them, get these ideas through that don't seem so offensive or that don't make them put the wall up like the word police state is a pretty polarizing term and can scare people so maybe find a different term to uh discuss the fact we're losing our freedom but you know
0: even if you are really careful with it wayne there are there's this sort of attitude amongst a lot of people in america as mark we call them the respectables right Mm -hmm. these are the people that they don't care if uh, the police are cracking heads of protesters down in the city square because they would never be out protesting their lives are comfortable they've got upset uh, they write a letter to the editor Right, they're uh, they're living comfortable, plush, posh lives, and they, you know they're never going to get uh you know down with the riffraff and get out and protest, so they wouldn't have to worry about uh, the police state. Of course, you know you could point out that the uh, the police frequently break into the wrong people's homes and uh, kick in the wrong people's doors. But it's and usually in the right neighborhood. Shoot the wrong people, but yes, it is usually in the uh, scummy neighborhoods. The- so therefore, again, they won't care about that. You know, I remember when um I was having dinner with my nope. aunt and uncle from Illinois, and they were I, t- I told them about this foie gras ban in the city of Chicago, which is this very, very sort of delicate uh, dish. It's uh, goose liver. And they had banned this from the state of Chicago. And I thought, well, you know, they're a little more upper crust, my uncle and aunt. They're comfortable. And so shouldn't they care about something like this? You know, an upper crust sort of uh, dish being banned? They didn't care. They said to me, well, we don't eat foie gras, so we think it's a great idea. And they, they could care less about the fact <laughs> that their friends are losing their freedoms. As long as it doesn't affect them, nothing's happening. Is that what you're encountering, that sort of attitude?
6: Yes. Pretty much. It's not like that. It's like, even I come from the poor, lower class, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm just getting that kind of sense of, like, frightened denial, where it's so bad, so horrible, that they just don't want to face it.
1: Now, yeah. uh, do you think that they don't want to face it because they're not interested in it, or they don't want to face it because they're scared of the repercussions of them believing that there is Multiple a police reasons.
6: I, I've met people that do agree with me, Uh huh. and it, it takes a while to reach them. It really does, because... I'm I'm nervous. I'm scared, but I'm not. I'm scared in the sense that I'm I'm brave as well. Mm-hmm. Right. You know what I mean, because I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bow down. I'm well, not gonna bow.
0: the other thing you have to remember is that if you aren't making progress, forget about them and move on and find somebody who is responsive to what you're talking about. Because remember, in the the times of the American Revolution, only a small percentage. ...of Americans were considered revolutionaries. And so only a certain percentage of Americans are going to have that level of courage that you do. Most of them are going to want to stick their heads in the sand, go la-la-la-la-la, and pretend nothing's going on. Thanks for the call. Hour three's coming Thank up. You. you take control. It's Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into our number three of the program. You can take control of the airwaves the toll-free number for you, 800-259-9231. The sickle CAI toll-free line. That's 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Wade. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. Uh, where all the features are completely free. So enjoy those on us, freetalklive.com. Mark, I want you to bring up what you brought up during the news break in a moment. But first, okay. we're going to the phones uh, to Neil in California. Neil, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Neil. Neil in California, going once. Neil in California, going twice. Come on, Neil. You can do it. Put it back on hold. We'll try it back later if he's still there. Uh, 800-259-9231. Now, last hour, for those of you just tuning in, we had a caller uh, dial up towards the end of the, the hour about he's been trying to communicate to his friends or family or loved ones about You know the fact that this country is going down a pretty scary path, going down towards down the road towards tyranny, down the road towards a police state. Some could argue, I think pretty convincingly, that we're already in a police state. Uh, And we were sort of talking about how many Americans and the people that he talks to, they just want to put their heads in the sand.
1: Right. The respectables, um, the 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 people that make good money, um, they're from the right ethnic group. They just don't deal with the police on a regular basis. They don't deal with the government on a regular basis. They don't have their friends dealing with the police. I'll tell you i come from a family where we don't deal with the government we simply don't we fill out our taxes we fill out our forms and that's what we do Mm -hmm. you don't sue people because you don't get into situations where you need to be um, sued i mean this is sort of this i don't i don't even know how to describe these people other than respectable you don't um you just you wouldn't dare take government assistance of any sort or another you pay for it you just don't take it right so I call those
0: people the respectables. They they never have to deal with the government. Right, um, they give them the money that they want. They keep the government at bay. And so to them, the government doesn't really exist.
1: It's kind of like a charity that you have to give money to. Yeah. Um, but, you know. They don't uh, like to do it. The, but the, the kid asked. um, price of living. Essentially, how do I communicate that we are in a police state to my friends and family? They don't want to hear it. And uh, at one point, you had uh, asked a question. I believe it was of your mother. And you had relayed the story to me. And it's been, probably been years now. And I yeah, because my mom didn't like talking to me about think, this stuff. I think it's insightful. Is well, if we're not in a police state, what would it take to convince you that we are in a police state? What set of circumstances would have to occur? I mean, what what is what would be happening right now if we were in a police state that you know and 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 then you ask them this question like what has to happen for a police state to be let, real let them define their own parameters right and if they say oh i don't know maybe stopping and checking you for your papers
0: uh, just tell it's them about here.
1: just tell them about the roving um, immigration checks in uh, down by the border in Mexico
0: how about the tsa now checking uh, bus stops in indianapolis
1: how about the tsa checking everybody who goes onto an airplane you have to have a, a valid id to get onto an airplane or they're going to do the the special secret check thing on mm. you um, super secret special search yeah that whatever it is yeah. the S that right. they write on your your ticket you know, the fact is we're getting asked for our papers all the time. That's correct. What else um would be happening? Would there be random
0: beatings? Well, they're not going to randomly beat rich white guys in suits. Well, they didn't randomly beat people in Germany. They targeted people for beatings. Right,
1: there's targeted people uh, people for beating
0: and you know. And they've targeted protesters for beatings. In fact, there's uh so I mean they're Frequently, as evidence in, a, in any given protest where the government has an incentive to mess around, they'll put in an undercover cop and have him go in there and start instigating fights. It happens all the time. So the police it, have an excuse to go, go in and there's start evidence shooting people. Of this. I have
1: seen it, and I'm one of the respectables. I know it's true. Um, you know, is there is there a class of people that is uh, despised by everyone else and that it's okay to despise? Oh, how about illegal immigrants how about and how Muslims? about Muslims? You know, I, the only thing that we are not doing that might go on in a police state, the only thing that I can see is random house-to-house checks. At this point in America, we do not have people knocking on our door. Excuse me. It's time for your immigration, illegal immigrant check. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I just don't think that we'd... It, the fact is, if you build a wall and uh, we go down this path of, we can't let it anymore, illegal aliens, we are going to have random... House to house searches. We've
0: had Looking- people on this show say they'd be okay with it
1: because I'm telling you what, if they if, if if there was a crackdown on illegal aliens, I would let them come into my house for protection. So you're gonna you're going to have to send your cops to my house to search it in order to find these illegal aliens. I will have a, a room just like they put for
0: Anne Frank. Hmm. And I will hide these people. Let's talk about what happens when that situation escalates. Because it's a realistic possibility. Remember, people have called this show, and we've asked them that question. Well, would you be okay with somebody coming by, searching your house randomly for immigrants? Oh, yeah, come on in. People absolutely would be okay. I got nothing to hide. But then what happens when, let's say there is this situation with the wall, and we've got uh, immigrants being put into camps, that sort of thing, when they get rounded up. Uh, Let's say we've got that situation in this country, and it's... You know, we're not more than a few years away from it if that's the direction they want to go in. So it's totally realistic this could happen. So they start doing random house-to-house searches to look for immigrants, and they start discovering these secret rooms. And what happens when they come across the coyote who 's hiding the immigrants that he 's you know just transported across the border the armed coyote the coyotes you know the gangs because remember when a, a product or service is prohibited in this case you 're prohibiting people, the black market gets involved, and when the black it market, is involved and when the black market is involved, you have violence, you have a far higher propensity for violence than you ever had before, so these black marketeers are making buku bucks off of bringing people across the border, and they don't want to go to a jail cell. Many of them will be willing to fire back in the instance that you know their house is raided. So what happens when the police, who are just normally doing you know, house-to-house searches with their uniform, regular police officers, encounter their first firefight? Then what's going to happen? Then the police are then going to SWAT amp the SWAT team's up. going to be um, shaking down your house That's rather right. than... Exactly. The police are going to amp up their level of force, and then every every house they search will be a potential kill zone. It will be a potential fight for the police, and you will be treated as such. Is that still what you want? Are you still willing to let the police search when they start kicking in the doors they're searching?
1: You know, uh, this is the time I'd like to bring up the uh, the instance, I believe it was last year in Virginia, where an ophthalmologist's office was, um, the ophthalmologist was busted and his for his office having a football pool by the SWAT team mm-hmm. in Virginia, and some cop accidentally, I guess, um, got itchy with his trigger finger and shot the ophthalmo- ophthalmologist through the back of the head while he was handcuffed and not kneeling on the floor. Right, because it's really Now, important. you're telling me this isn't Nazi Germany crap? Are you Germany, telling me right. that? Excuse
0: me. Are you telling me that's not what it is? That's what's going on here. It can't happen in America, Mark. It can't happen here. in a free country.
1: Uh, what's what's the uh, the quote? If uh, tyranny comes to America, it will be um, wrapped in the flag and carrying a cross.
0: And denial is the most common human response. Let's go and try Neil one last time. Going to the phones to Neil in California. Neil, you're on Free Talk Live.
8: Hey, gentlemen. How's it going? Great. Good, sir. What's on your mind? Hey, I just wanted to let you guys know you sound like a bunch of conspiracy theorists. How
0: what are you so? talking about? <laughs> I'm just playing.
8: <laughs> no, uh, uh, yeah, you know, when it comes to, you know, things like, like the North American Union and and all this central banking stuff and all this this police state stuff, um, to, to think that, you know, uh, I hear a lot of people saying like well there's there's also no such thing as like conspiracy theories or that there, there are no such thing as conspiracies is what I should say. Um uh, I just I just want to point out that it's just it's just odd because I mean uh, it would be like saying uh, that that uh, that there wasn't a, like a conspiracy to kill off a bunch of Jews in, in Nazi Germany, uh, for
0: example. Of
2: course, there are uh, conspiracies. Yeah. So, yes, there yes. are some pretty so, whacked out theories out there, but the whole thing is the word conspiracy means to breathe with. There's there's thousands, if not more, people right now sitting in U.S. jails on um charges of, of criminal conspiracy but the thing is that they it's it, the language is controlled in the sense that if you accuse someone in power of, of a criminal conspiracy then you're a conspiracy theorist and mm-hmm. and so you have to separate those people from the people who just are really whacked out and are way off the edge but there's a lot
8: absolutely of- it's just unfortunate though because they, there seem to be some very valid and hardcore points that need to be looked at and, and, and then these individuals who find out this sort of information and stuff was, especially with regard to like, uh, G. Edward Griffin and his his research into the Federal Reserve and, well, like 9-11 and, and all that, and North American Union, all that stuff, you know, I think are really valid points that really need to be looked at, but it's all just really brushed aside. Everybody just like brushes them off as, well, conspiracy theories.
0: Which is why I think it's important. And the only reason we are looking at the North American Union is because we've just gotten such a delu- uh, deluge of calls about it. I think oh, it's I important doubting. to really focus on facts that aren't disputable, that don't have a lot of hypothesis involved. And the fact is, we do have random checkpoints in this country the fact is we do have the police bashing in heads at protests and we do have a police state on the rise there those that's all based on facts thanks for the call man we appreciate it more on the way you can take control it's free talk live Free Talk Live. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. And that's the SACL-CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online. FreeTalkLive.com, the place to go, the features for free. Shrine of Female listeners there, dozens and dozens of ladies who have taken the time to send us their validated photo. And prove they listen to the show. See what I mean by going to Shrine.FreeTalkLive.com. That's Shrine.FreeTalkLive.com.
1: Now you can save time and money on common legal matters created by top attorneys. LegalZoom.com helps you create reliable legal documents like your will or a living trust in minutes. LegalZoom.com. Use code FTL to save 10%. That's LegalZoom.com.
0: Now, many of our listeners who have been sort of connected with the liberty movement for a little while may have heard the name Larkin Rose in the past. In fact, we've uh, followed his case here on Free Talk Live in case you don't know who he is. He is one of the more prominent tax uh, protesters out there, tax freedom advocates. And he's you know he's written a book and uh, I think made a video about uh, taxes and why you shouldn't have to pay and all that. And uh, he, he is also one of the tax freedom advocates who has seen the inside of a jail cell as a result of, well, what he's doing. Because when you're loud and uh, in the government's face about taxes, they have a tendency to target you. And they did target Larkin Rose. They uh, railroaded him just like they railroaded so many other tax freedom advocates uh, in their so-called justice system. And he spent some time in a, in a uh, federal, uh, federal prison as a result. But Larkin Rose is more than a man who's just about opposing taxes. He's a principled, uh, liberty-minded individual who happens to be a member of the Free State Project, uh, and he's he's very very principled, and he's come out with a series of articles that have addressed other issues. And I thought this one, I saw, I saw it at the Keen Free Press, uh, keenfreepress.com. I thought this one was great. It's called Illegal People, since we were talking about immigration not too long ago. He says, well, it's time for me to make some enemies so much of most people's political beliefs including among people who consider themselves to be pro-freedom stems from false assumptions and from the belief in that mystical or mythical beast called authority we now scoff at the old belief in the divine right of kings the notion that by an accident of birth someone had more rights than other people and a lot more rights yeah the 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 right to administer life and death upon other people in, in fact he says and they have the right to forcibly control those other people silly huh well, that ridiculous belief is back, and now it's called illegal immigration. How exactly does someone born several thousands mile of thousands of miles away in Alaska have an inherent right to stand in El Paso, Texas, but someone born in Ciudad Juarez, just across the river from El Paso, doesn't? Without special permission from the tyrants of Washington, of course. See, a lot changes when you lose the self-contradictory belief in government. A lot of concepts you accepted as self-evident evaporate, such as country, borders, citizenship, patriotism, and nationalism. Take, for example, that imaginary line between Mexico and the United States. What is it? How did it get there? It's the boundary between the dirt which uh, which, which one set of tyrants claims the right to rule and the dirt which another set of tyrants claims the right to rule. You can wave the flag all you want and talk about your country and patriotism. But the fact is, country boundaries are based entirely upon the inherently bogus, arbitrary claims of the right to rule made by various megalomaniacs. You have no more right to be here than someone born in Zimbabwe or Budapest or anywhere else. Therefore, you have no right to use force to stop them from coming here. Nor can you delegate to someone else the right to do so. Remember, because if you don't have the right to do something in the first place, you can't all of a sudden create it by deeming to give it to someone else. You didn't have it. To put it as bluntly as I can, says Larkin, all immigration laws are 100% illegitimate, unjustifiable violence. All of them. In every country, under every circumstance. You can wave laws around, wave the Constitution around. Now, and uh, Hold on. I would caveat what Larkin's saying
1: here with also he wouldn't uh, approve of any uh, social welfare programs like giving out yeah, uh, no. w- uh, WIC or he's um, against welfare or anything like that for uh, immigrants that came across the border. He's not saying, hey, come in here and use our Social Security system and break our country. Well, he's not saying anything like that at right. all.
0: The government's wealth redistribution programs are based on force, and so, of course, he's against that. And thank you for clarifying. He says, You can wave the Constitution around and your laws around and make all the general, uh, generalizations you want, but if you forcibly stop someone who only wants to walk from one piece of dirt to another, you are the one initiating violence, and you are the bad guy. He does say, though, if, on the other hand, that piece of dirt he wants to walk on is your own personal property, then you absolutely have the right to keep him off. But unless you believe you personally own this entire country... That cannot possibly justify any immigration laws. Now, um, I want I
1: want people listening to understand. Not, um, I I've, I certainly do not necessarily agree with what Larkin's saying in this uh, article. I know you do largely, but, you know, it's it's the um, it's because we've run to an extreme in this country. We've got to keep out the immigrants. They're they got leprosy and they're murdering our uh, people and they're stealing our money and and, and eating and, dogs. Uh, eating dogs, doing every you know. I we have heard everything. Um, um, illegal Mexicans accused of everything under the sun on this show. Just ridiculous, crazy nonsense that they've been accused of. They're stealing our jobs. Yeah. If it wasn't for the um, the extremism on one side of trying to put up walls with I don't know heat tracking machine guns and desert. Um, you know, border ninjas out there to kill off the Mexicans that might try to come across our border. If it wasn't for that sort of extremism, the sort of extremism that Larkin Rose is talking about here would just be a voice crying in the wilderness. It wouldn't have any resonance. People wouldn't be listening at all. But he has some kind of resonance because the fact is, we as Americans are acting in an extreme manner by even suggesting putting up a a wall in the first place.
2: Totally. Very un-American. And the other thing is, if our real economy wasn't crumbling... People would welcome Mexicans into the U.S. for help. We would, they'd need help because they'd have wealth, and they wouldn't have time to mow their lawns and do right. these things because they'd be busy, and they'd be prosperous, and they'd be wealthy. So the fact that, that these people are saying these people are taking their jobs is only because the economy is contracting because of all the socialist, interventionist, domestic economic policies that the government is, is instituting. Totally the case.
0: 800 Larkin continues, oddly, as often happens in the case of immigration, freedom gets the blame for the problems caused by tyranny. But those dang Mexicans come over here and they get public benefits and welfare and free schooling. So which is the problem? Them walking over an invisible line or your government consisting entirely of Americans forcibly robbing one person to give a hand out to someone else? Right. Why is it okay? Tell me why it's okay
1: for you to take my money at the point of a gun. And that's what the government does when it comes to income taxes and, and property taxes, quite honestly, to, it's to a the lesser extent. It's threat of guns,
0: but yeah,
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, if I don't pay my um, income tax, I'm going to jail. If I don't want to go to jail, I'm going They'll to get shoot beaten. Shot. If I try to, um, you know, get away from this beating in any manner, I'm liable to get shot. Yep. That's the threat of violence. Um, that's the gun in the room, as it were. So, uh, how, tell me how it's okay for the federal government to take my money from me in order to support schools through their Title I and their No Child Left Behind Act, their, um, their you know social uh, welfare programs, uh, you know Nation Social building. Security, whatever you pick your favorite government program. NASA, fine, I don't care what it is. Tell me how it's okay for the government to take money to uh, help out you know some lady who's in
0: Detroit well, with my be- money. But Mark, it's not, it's not okay, okay to help out some Mexican. It's not okay uh, what they do, what they're doing. But uh, they're doing it. So while they're doing it, we better lock down the borders and keep them immigrants out.
1: Right. So what we have in this country is we have a um, we have a welfare problem. We don't have an immigration problem. That's right. This country was built immigrants. by immigrants. You got to stop immigrants. And the them problem now. is, is that we've let the socialists come in here from the Red Scare. We've let the socialists come in, take over our government. Now yes. we're blaming the immigrants that built the damn country.
0: And the socialists are calling themselves Republicans and Democrats. Yep. Larkin's got a few more thoughts, and we want to hear from you on all this. Crossing borders. What's it mean, anyway? This is Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month, and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. Talk Live. It's your show. You can take control. Of the toll free number, 800 259 9231. CAI toll free line. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. 1 800 259 9231. Inviting you to our website, freetalklive.com is the place to go. The archives are there. An entire year's worth of the show. Right there on the front page of the site. You just download them. They're for free. freetalklive.com. And your mattress was likely manufactured using all kinds of disturbing chemicals. Does this bother you? Well, it bothers some scientists, especially in the case of young children. Savvy Rest mattresses are made of 100% natural latex rubber, organic wool, and organic cotton. Try their crib mattresses, too. SavvyRest.com for the sleep you've been dreaming of. That's Savvy Rest dot com eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one talking about this whole concept of borders in the first place, or illegal immigrants, or as Larkin Rose calls them, illegal people? He points out in the beginning of his uh, article, which is appearing at the Keen Free Press at KeenFreePress.com, uh, he points out, that you know people used to believe in the divine right of kings, you know, the idea that kings uh, somehow happen to be just by birth better than everybody else. And now we laugh at that concept, but for some reason, it's come back in the form of illegal immigration, because for some reason, someone who was born on one particular part of the planet has no ability to go to another particular part of the planet simply because of the plot of land that they were born on. And it really all only has to do with the fact that certain tyrants want to rule over that particular plot of land, and so they create these things called borders. Otherwise, we'd all just be people traveling about. Anyway, i not continue his, uh, his article here. He says, if somebody accepts stolen property, that's a bad thing. And it's bad regardless of where that person was born or what imaginary lines he's walked over. So why is it that America's whine about illegals getting government benefits more than they do about the millions of American parasites doing the same thing? He says, I won't even bother getting the actual statistics on which demographic groups get more government goodies and which produce more for the economy, because it's besides the point. And how backwards and fascist is it to have the attitude of, well, you might apply for government handouts, so we're going to use force to keep you out of this country. Guilty until proven innocent, I see. Yep, those who want to come here legally have to go through great lengths to prove they'll be productive and not a drain on society. Hilariously, they have to prove this to people in government who themselves are nothing but a drain on society. Right,
1: and unproductive. They produce nothing. The government produces nothing. They now, are this a may not be This may not be true in the case of uh, police officers, firemen, garbage men, those kind of folks. They produce something, they just do it inefficiently compared to, um, to the free market. To the marketplace,
0: Absolutely. Uh, So, yeah, the idea that that immigrants are coming here and mooching off the state as a default is absurd. Most of them are coming here and making a better life for themselves and working very, very hard. Are there some that are getting welfare? Probably. But there's a lot of uh, white Americans
2: that are getting welfare, too. Why is that not a problem also? I must confess, I've hired people from Mexico before. Good Uh, for you. I would, too, if I had the opportunity. Yeah, I've found them to be very hardworking people, good people. I've never had a problem with them. I
1: I don't think that one can make a generalization about Mexicans um, are all great or Mexicans all stink. Um, Generalizations are just not true. I've had uh, renters that were Mexican that paid on time and were really great and took good care of the property. I've had renters that were Mexicans that didn't. I've had white people that fit those same descriptions.
0: He says, mind you, I'm not saying that I agree with amnesty for illegals. The only reason I don't, however, is that the people who have no right to stop people from coming here also have no right to give them permission to come here, which is what amnesty means. People born on this planet, or any others for that matter, have the right to come here just as much as you have the right to be here. It's a little funny that so many people whose grandparents came here from Europe, Africa, Asia, and so on are now whining that Mexicans have no right to be on this particular piece of dirt. The American Indians are probably getting quite a chuckle out of that. And don't whine. And, and you know
1: the the funny thing is Mexicans are you know basically American Indians all anyway. Yeah. I mean they are native to this continent at the very least and there's no guarantee that uh you know that they're not related to Mex the the, the sort of native Americans that occupied California, uh Texas, Arizona. Sure, of course you they know. are.
0: And we're keeping them out. And don't whine about some doing it legally, because that makes exactly no difference when it comes to morality. The morality of an act does not depend on whether politicians have given it their blessing via legislation. Good point. As I've said before, the world looks very different when not uh, viewed through the authority-colored glasses. On one hand, many things get a lot simpler. On the other hand, you lose the intellectual cop-out of mass violence via government intervention as the default solution to all problems, whether it be poverty, crime, illiteracy, substance abuse, or even those dad burned foreigners coming here. Deal with them without initiating violence, or stop pretending to be pro-freedom. 800 Two five nine ninety two thirty one all those problems that he mentioned, the poverty and the crime and the substance abuse and all that all of those can be deal uh, dealt with on a voluntary basis. All you have to do is get creative see the the use of force is sort of the uh, the harbor for the least creative individuals. You can't think anything else up beyond attacking somebody. You can't think anything more creative up, as far as solutions are concerned, than threatening your neighbors. Come on, please. Can you just put your minds to it a little bit more? Anyway, 800-259-9231. Here is a related email from uh, someone who hasn't emailed in, Al from New York. He's got an axe to grind. Your immigration views disgust me. Ian and Mark. The fact that you support now I'd like to point out that throughout this email every time the word illegal or legal appears it is in all caps okay so you remember the the anti-immigrant people think that if they shout it's kind of like trying to commute communicate with somebody that doesn't speak your language you shout louder and for some reason that helps uh, so they're basically he's shouting the words illegal and legal at us because that'll help get it through our heads okay
1: well um, I'd like to make a point on legal and illegal it was legal to take Japanese Americans and intern them in camps in uh, you know, World War II in this country. It was legal to slaughter Indians in this country. It was legal to gas Jews in Germany. As a matter of fact, it was illegal to harbor those Jews in mm. Germany. Laws don't make things right or wrong. Those they Jews just make, would have
0: been illegal back then.
1: Right. They just make them legal and illegal. That's all. Somebody wrote down on a piece of paper that it was legal and it was illegal. I believe that we have bad laws. I believe in, in the, the area of uh, immigration and I believe that good people stand up
0: to bad laws every single time. Al says the fact that you support the actions of illegal aliens disgusts me. Yes. As a child of legal immigrants, I believe you are Hold on both... wait a second. I'm the uh, at, at the
1: very least a grandchild of uh, legal what, what were illegal immigrants at the time. Now, when my grandparents came and came across into this country, the adopted ones, you know, the ones that uh, mm-hmm. signed the papers for me. Um, they, um, There weren't the laws that there currently are. It wasn't nearly as hard.
2: Yeah, it was very I simple mean, back then.
1: Right now, it's a heck of a lot easier to sneak in when you don't speak the language than to fill out all this mountainous paperwork and yeah. wait the years to be able to get the lottery to come in and get somebody to sponsor you and all that other stuff, when is all you want is the promise of freedom that this country offers. And to work. The same thing
0: that immigrants have wanted in this country forever. He says, I believe you're both avoiding the real issues. You talk about the government being inept, which is true. No one disputes that. But what the overwhelming... Hold on. If the government is inept, why would you want it to handle something as important as immigration? Oh, you asked too many questions, Mark. Just wondered. But what the overwhelming majority of Americans believe is that... Now, that much is true. Anyone who wants the privilege of living here must go through some process. Uh, Absolutely true,
1: and the overwhelming majority of Americans have no freaking idea what that process is like. They have no idea the thousands and thousands of dollars, um, the the time wasted by these bureaucrats who are in no way motivated at all. You don't have a vote. They're in no
0: way motivated at all to do anything for you. How about the lost paperwork after you've already spent those thousands of dollars? People people think of of
1: lost paperwork like um, the post office loses letters. No way. The INS is motivated to lose your paperwork because if they do lose your paperwork, then you just have to pay them more money. That's right. They aren't even um, computerized in, in the
0: fashions that you would imagine that they would be. Let's uh let's go to the phones. Liberty is on the line in California listening to KSCO. Hello, Liberty. Yes, hello. Hey, what's on your mind?
3: Well, I've been listening to you guys for a while, <clears throat> and uh, I've been voting – Libertarian since 1976. the Actually, I helped with uh, Tony Nathan's campaign. No up idea. In Oregon. To
0: Tony Nathan was the first uh, presidential, or she was a vice presidential candidate to actually receive an electoral vote ah. yes. for the Libertarian Party. That's so you've right. got credit. You've got Libertarian you cred. Street cred. Liberty, we're going to bring you back. Hang on. 800 259 We're talking immigration. We're talking about the illegals. Free Talk Live. You take control. This is your show. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. It may be the final segment, but there's still enough time for your call. If you make it now, 800-259-9231. The signal CAI told free line for you. 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. You can join us online, freetalklive.com. Enjoy all the features on the website. We give them away that we do ask you voluntarily support the show by going shopping at store.freetalklive.com. And that's where you can get your hands on all kinds of great Free Talk Live-related merchandise, branded uh, merchandise, and just some other cool stuff we wanted to offer to you. Go to store.freetalklive.com. And get your shopping done. Let's go back to Liberty calling from KSCL land in California. Hello, Liberty. You're back on Free Talk Live. Liberty? Did we lose Liberty? Liberty in California?
3: Yeah, I, I'm having trouble hearing you. You're really faint, but oh. I'll. Uh, well, cover we can up hear you fine. We have catch you.
0: We hear you fine, so go ahead with your point, sir.
3: Okay. Well, I have uh, voted libertarian. I w- considered myself a big L libertarian for years until. I finally broke ranks and voted for Bush because I thought it was incredibly important that uh, uh, Gore not get elected.
2: (laughs) (laughs) The old wasted vote theory. Well, George had that all taken care of already anyway.
3: I probably read everything that Ayn Rand has written, Mm -hmm. not just her novels, but like her her newsletters and and virtually everything that Ayn Rand has written. So I was Uh, an Ayn Rand fanatic for years. But i got to tell you, I now consider myself a small-l libertarian, and the issue is over immigration, because as far as I'm concerned, I have as much right to have a say in who crosses the border of my country as I do who enters through the front door of my house.
1: Sorry, you don't own the country. Wait a second, Liberty. Um, I live in your house, too. Do I get to say who comes through the front door?
3: No, you do not live in my house unless I ask you to.
1: Hold on. Well, it's not your country, and it is our country. Your, no, co- your country and mine. Country. What's that?
3: It is my country.
1: <laughs> Hold on, Liberty. We're, we're not understanding the ownership aspect. I do understand that you have a house and I have a house, mm-hmm. and that I'm in control of my house and you're in control of your house. As it should you be. You just compared your country to your house. Yeah. So... If I'm living in your country and I do live in your country, I'm a citizen just like you are. I want to let those immigrants in. Do you understand how there's two people? Now we're talking about two people living in the same country that get to control immigration policy here. Mm -hmm. So you my question is, do you think it's okay for me to have the opinion that, uh, you know, I think we should let the immigrants in?
3: Well, that's where democracy comes in. But don't Ooh. you? Wouldn't
1: you agree that democracy is two wolves and a sheep voting on what's for dinner? Liberty? Yes, Are you going to eat me for dinner?
3: To a certain extent, yes. Yeah, certainly sc- so.
1: Screw what I think about immigration, right?
3: Well, no, not entirely. <laughs> well, you know, what do you want? Just, to do. just exactly
1: the. But, but I have to go by your policy, or you'll bring out the guns, right? Because if I want to oh, no, bring an illegal immigrant into this country and I want them to work, you know, for me uh, in my business, you're going to come after me with guns and force and violence, aren't you, Liberty?
3: Well, you know, if you walk through my front door, I don't give a crap if you're the, from the IRS, the, uh, uh, um, you know, the uh, whoever you are. If you enter through my front door without my permission, I'll blow your head off. I understand. That's your house. Why is it
0: you keep confusing the country with your private property, sir? There's a big difference there. Right. It's not not a fair
1: comparison, Liberty. It's not a fair comparison because it's not your house. This country is our house. house, And I have an opinion. (laughs) The country's
0: a plot of land so with imaginary now you're going to have to
1: t- take a Democratic vote as to whether or not you're going to blow people's head off
0: like IRS agents, and that's not really going to work Look, out. Here's what I want to know, Liberty. How is it that you would like to restrict the flow of immigration?
3: Well, I would like uh, certain restrictions on immigration. I would like, like to know if the people coming into my country are diseased or not. I would like to know if they're criminals or not. That seems perfectly fair, don't so, you think?
1: So I'm for I'm for that. I, I I'm I'm with you on that one, Liberty. I'll go for uh, diseased, and I'll go for criminal. Now what? There's you know there's there's a giant mountain of paperwork and all kinds of uh, lawyers to be paid in this particular scenario, and it goes well well beyond uh, how what your um, health is and your communicable diseases and your uh, criminal record. Are you aware of that?
3: Yes. And bureaucracy is a terrible thing. Yes. but you Something want but you but bureaucrats. That's what you want to sir, wait a minute. You
0: want bureaucrats to try to keep you safe from disease? You think bureaucrats are going to keep you safe from criminals?
3: Well, the DEA hasn't done a very good job.
0: No, obviously. they haven't. <laughs> right. This is what I don't understand: is that people are looking to the government to solve this immigration issue? You think okay, the government can solve this problem? This. They created the problem in the, the first people place. people living
3: in Arizona who have private property. Whose whose borders one one of the four borders of their property borders Mexico. As far do they as I'm concerned, right or do they not to keep people from crossing into would, their property? Of course property they do. It's how would you suggest?
1: Goes. How would you suggest that they stop them?
3: Well, you know, I would suggest that they. Uh, keep them physically from entering their property i think that's, that's fine fun. i think if they, i think if they put up a, a sign
1: i think if they put up a sign in um you know english and spanish that says trespassers will be shot on site," that they can shoot them on site
3: that would be good, but you know what? They would probably be prosecuted by the American
0: government. Sounds like the government's the problem yet again, sir. Once
1: again, we've pointed out, Liberty, the government's the problem. And
0: the problem is also government-owned land, because if everyone owned uh, their land privately, if all-owned land was 100% private, then private landowners would be able to decide who to allow on and who not to. And then it really would be your house, and you'd be able to defend it in whatever ways you wanted. But if you look to the government to solve this problem, I'm afraid you're going to be sorely disappointed. All you're going to end up with, sir... Is a police state, you're going to end up with roadblocks. You're going to end up with checkpoints. You're going to end up with the cops kicking in businesses' doors, as they already are in this country. And then you're going to end up with house-to-house searches. And I don't know about you, but that's not a country I want to live in. Thank you for the call. 800-259-9231. Let's talk to Celeste, also listening to KSCO. Hello, Celeste. You're on Free Talk Live.
9: Hello. Hi. What's on your Hi, mind? how are you? Good. What's up? I just wanted to update you guys some things on what's happening currently in uh, immigration.
4: Right. Uh, today,
9: the Federal Register said that they wanted to uh, practically recall 750,000 uh, permanent residence uh, green cards because they no longer want the uh, the the unlimited duration of status on that green card anymore. So that's going to be the next big. Fight and and argument going on so wait a US minute. Area. Are you
0: saying that if people that, it, that were told that they could stay here will now have their status yanked out from underneath them by the feds?
9: Um, well, it's not. They're not going to have their status yanked out. What they're going to do is they're not. They're going to put a time limit on the green card themselves. Right now, there is no expiration date on it. So yeah. Once to, you get, a,
1: I thought a green card, you could essentially stay for um, your, your whole life. You just didn't necessarily have to become a citizen. But so that's going to change. What they're saying is that, uh, that if you get a green so card, have you have a limited amount the, of time uh, to become I, a citizen.
9: I'm going to send you to the Federal Register for that one and let you read it yourself because okay. it, I won't be able to make all my points to you. But yes. And it's going to be crazy.
3: Uh, The next thing
9: that's going on is that there's a great big name check issue going on right now between the USCIS and the FBI. At a minimum, there's 385,000 people who've been waiting for a year or four years and more. The FBI is asking everybody who calls them about the name check issue to contact Congress and have congress release release funds to them so that they can tackle the name checks and get them up and running in an orderly fashion so we're not even able to check names of people that want to legally immigrate who may be the terrorists that we supposedly fear um, they're unable to do that correctly. And we've so seen that's... what
0: happens when the government tries to check names. When you look at the no fly list that they have in the airports, they constantly get it wrong. They constantly get people with similar names that get caught up as though, you know, the one story I remember the most was the 69 uh, year old nun who kept getting caught because she had a similar name to somebody who was a terrorist. Ted list. Kennedy was on it, wasn't he? He was at one uh-huh. time. And so when you want the government to have this uh, central database of names to check against, inevitably it's going to cause hassles for people who are completely legal and people who uh, didn't expect that it would cause hassles for them.
9: Exactly. Now let's look at the next issue. There are a number of J-1 physicians. Now a J-1 physician is an exchange uh, visiting physician um, that has come into the country and they're residents in medical school. If they want to stay, they go to rural areas uh, throughout the United States, you know, such as Tonopah, Nevada, where they may not have a physician or something like that. Okay. Um, Currently, What they're doing is that they're denying their hardship waivers, and the hardship waivers are for people who may have sick children, sick spouses, sick sick American children, sick American spouses, or they may also have a war going on in their country. The USCIS is denying their cases straight across the board. Um, Nobody knows why. Everybody is dumbfounded. We are supposed to be protecting you know, our country, the people that are in our country, we wanna we wanna be friends with with the people that are having wars and we wanna protect them yeah. and we're not doing it. It's just another right.
0: bunch of just another bunch of bureaucrats trying to dictate people's lives to them and it's a sickness and Celeste, thank you for the call. We appreciate the update. You know, I've only gotten through two sentences of Alphonse's email. We'll get to the rest of that tomorrow night. It has been Ian here with you. And Wayne and Mark, join us online in the meantime at Free Talk Live dot com.